Russia was the, the Union of Soviet Social Republics. And they'd say, oh, but aren't you so glad that you're in America? I said, well, I know a lot of Russian filmmakers. They have a lot more freedom than I have. All they have to do is be careful about criticizing the government. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Life, a show where we take a more deep dive, more fun dive into pop culture, movies, music, something that I did for a lot of years. Actually, it is the eight-year anniversary, I found out, thanks to Facebook, of an album that I released. Um with my ex and a group called La Fin Absolute du Monde, Clarity Amongst the Rubble. A very, very, I thought a very good record. Very proud of that record. And this is the only thing I have left of that group is this shirt. I forget why I have this shirt. But yeah, eight years. So go listen to it. It's on Spotify, Clarity Amongst the Rubble. Let me bring in my co-host for the evening. Also expert on all things Ninja Movie, host of Parallax Fuse, JG Michael. <laughs> I just saw a comment. Is it true only a ninja can kill a ninja? Well, Charles, in the ninja lore created by Canon Films, apparently that is true. Do you think, before we even get into this, do you think, JG, that uh, Canon wrote the, the rule book for ninjas? Yes. <laughs> but sure. Their rule book is pretty anarchic. So, I mean, you go from you go from like normal ninja story that's kind of like the octagon with Chuck Norris to like the next ninja movie is going to have hypnotism in it and, you know, hot tub death scenes. And then you're going to have possession and the exorcist in the third one. So. If you haven't killed someone in a hot tub, is it even a ninja movie? <laughs> If a drug dealer, like a drug kingpin, isn't murdered in the first five minutes, is it even a ninja movie? Like, these things have to happen, and they never have to be explained. But they have to happen. Um, like many people my age and slightly older, I first got turned on to the ninja by the G.I. Joe cartoon, Snake Eyes. I thought Snake Eyes was badass. And then Snake Eyes used to fight Storm Shadow, who was the white ninja. Do you remember that, JG? I know you're not old enough to remember. See, I, I got to be honest. My introduction to ninja movies was, uh, you remember Three Ninjas in the 90s? Yes, I do. That that was my introduction. Really? And it was probably it was probably because of, uh, I liked pro wrestling. So they had that one Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain with Hulk Hogan. And Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Ernest P. Worrell. So 
I, I watched all the three Ninja movies uh, growing up. And then, you know, there was also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. That was kind of after the 80s mm-hmm. Ninja boom, though. Mm-hmm. That was like when it became a parody of itself. And, you know, more of this, like, let's make kids comedies out of it. Especially with Ninja Turtles, because that original comic comes out in the early 80s. And it is very violent and toned down. I was going to say, it's much darker than anything we got in yeah, the movies. Toned down tremendously for the uh, the comic when they sell the rights. Today we're going to discuss what started the Ninja Boom and the people that helped propel it into a 10-year phenomenon. Canon Films and its Ninja Trilogy. That, unlike any other trilogy, no, those three movies nothing to do with each other as a matter of fact they're not numbered there's just the third one that they decided to call three because the first two work so well they said f it let's just have a third it's not just called ninja three though it's ninja three the domination which that sounds like some weird like fetish movie or something the domination domination who originally supposed to star chuck norris did you know that no i didn't realize chuck norris originally was in ninja three and he wore the kind of khaki uh gap ninja costume remember oh okay. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. lucinda dickey's character has kind of a early gap khaki colored earth tone ninja costume i don't know what she was hiding from was she hiding in a desert the deserts of los angeles apparently is where she was hiding in ninja three but there's there's actually promo shots of Chuck Norris in that suit, and Chuck Norris didn't want to wear a mask for the majority of the film. It was a whole different movie. That's the crazy thing about canon is, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more mm-hmm. about canon as this goes on, but canon would just sell movies, sort of like what mm-hmm. Hammer Studios did back in the 70s mm-hmm. in Britain. They would literally come up with a poster Mm -hmm. or a concept, and then they would sell the movie that way in the trades, even if they had nothing made. You know, at one point they had a poster for a Charles Bronson movie, Uh, and I'm blanking out on the title, but it would have been Charles Bronson versus a Gollum, (laughs) the the Jewish Gollum myth, and it was going to be the Gollum was going to go around killing people in New York or L.A., and only Bronson could stop the Gollum. They had no script for it or anything. They had a poster though. It never got made, but they had a poster and they were trying to sell it that way. That that would explain some of those Bronson movies that he did for canon that made no sense to me, title-wise. Messenger of Death. Right. What? Right. He's, what? Well, I've, I've always been, like, chafed that we never got Charles Bronson versus the Gollum, because that would have been, like, Charles Bronson in, like, a slasher horror movie creature feature. And we never got it. Ugh. But yeah, Canon did crazy Cannon. stuff like that because I don't know if you, I'm sure you watched the the documentary, uh, the Electric Boogaloo documentary about Canon. I've seen it like five times. I was watching that before we came on Be, here. Yeah, because you're a good man. That's why. Um, <laughs> they talk about the fact that they were selling things like Spider Man because they had the rights to Spider Man. Right, Toby Hooper was supposed to make mm-hmm. the Spider Man movie, and I guess he wanted to make it into like a a mutant Spider Man like horror almost. You know, it's just really weird. We need horror. The kids love horror. Make him, make him, make him eat somebody. Throw a tit in there too. <laughs> That's the thing about canon. I mean, canon's a weird. Every time I talk about my love of canon movies, mm-hmm. I take a little bit of criticism because Menachem Begin and uh, Yoram Globus, who founded 
the Cannes film. Group. Menachem Begin I, didn't. He was the president of Israel. But oh my God, that's Menachem Gold. Global. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But I just want to make sure people know that mixing up the Menachem. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> he did not. But have Menachem a studio and be president. Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus, if their movies are under any indication, did not have the most uh, enlightened of politics. And in fact, they even made. This is relevant now. They even made like a, a literal Israeli propaganda yeah. film Delta Force. called Operation Thunderbolt. Oh, Thunderbolt. With uh, Klaus Kinski mm-hmm. and Sybil Danning. It was, uh, for some reason, I guess Sybil Danning and Klaus Kinski are working with uh, Arab terrorists in that movie. I mean, it's it's bizarre stuff. But they – I mean, they're kind of like these meathead filmmakers. You know, I mean, I think Menachem Golan loved movies by every indication. You can even see it in a movie like Enter the Ninja, where there's a whole scene dedicated to making references to how the film business works. Mm -hmm. But they definitely did not have necessarily the most uh, enlightened of views. And some of their movies today, especially the two Alan Quatermain movies, uh, King Solomon's Mines and the sequel, which both had, I believe Sharon Stone was in both of those. They do not have a very Richard Chamberlain good view of... is Alan Quatermain. Right. Well, they, they I mean, they have some really messed up views on Arabs in those movies and colonialism. That being <laughs> said, I don't take Canon film group movies too seriously. I just view them as so ludicrous that it's hard to take it seriously politically. <sighs> that's sort of I just have fun well, with that's, it. Well that's that's where I, canon films get kind of the it's important for us to kind mm-hmm. of bring that out and say that. Um mm-hmm. because you have to acknowledge the fact that they are propaganda films. There is no kind of they are propaganda they are Israeli propaganda films that kind of make coonish images out of Arabs. Like we have to be honest right. with that. You know, they go out of their way to do that. Um, and that's why some of those movies are extremely problematic. And we're talking about the most famous ones, the Delta Forces. I think Operation Thunderbolt did quite well for them. Um, because that was a thing in the Cold War 80s. Mm-hmm. And, excuse me, if you think about to this day, even the way... Americans, the average American views the term terrorist. It's through the lens of those movies. Right. It's that's a brown sort of, they person. were part of a pop culture moment with that. Yeah. yeah. And it still is the dominant thought process when we think of the term terrorist. We think the Hamas terror attacks, right? Brown people that are religious fundamentalists killing people for no good reason. And that was beyond canon. There were other people that made movies like that. One of my favorite hate watches, I shouldn't say hate watch because it is pretty funny. Uh, Frank Stallone tried to make a Sly Stallone movie called Terror in Beverly Hills. Uh, you know what's sad? I actually know that movie. Oh. Oh. I posted it because I was watching it one night for the first time. I didn't watch it until maybe a year ago. And I posted on Instagram and then Frank Stallone started following me and I thought it was cool because like, oh, it's Frank Stallone. He sang the song in Saturday Night Fever. That's the, Which one is the sequel to the John Travolta movie where he's disco dancing? This uh, is the I'm end. Staying alive. Cool. Yeah, staying, staying alive. alive. So I actually am like, oh, Frank Stallone. 
And then I go on his page. Yikes. <laughs> Oof. Big Trump guy. Pretty reactionary. Definitely not a fan of brown people. Um, but he made an amazing action film called Terror in Beverly Hills. There are no ninjas in it, sadly. There might as well be because he plays a karate guy that's really karate-fied. And he worked with Muslims, and then all of a sudden he hates Muslims all at the same time, and it makes no sense. Watch Don't it you hate watch it when that happens? I've I've seen that with, like, I used to, I, I well, I still love his movies, but, like, Robert Davi turned out to be, like, a super right-wing dude. Mm-hmm. And then the one that kills me is Rhonda Shear from USA Up all night. Turns out really? to be, like, hardcore MAGA. Yeah, yeah. You're shocked. I'm not I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. Oh, okay. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. Thank you, Mercutio, for the super chat. Um, guys, tonight I'm we're gonna be playing ninja movie clips because we can't talk about ninjas without playing ninja movie clips. And because of that, there's a great chance that YouTube's gonna say you can't monetize the show. Um most shows that we do, I would say ninety-nine percent of the shows we do, we have to have a second review. Regardless of what we, Ben Burgess has had shows that they wouldn't let us monetize. Um, so thank you for the super chat. We're definitely going to need it. Uh, no ninja fetish films because you never see them coming. That's funny. That actually is really funny. <laughs> that, that, I got it. That's funny. Um, there is, before we talk about Sho Kashugi, he was part of the ninja trilogy that starts it all off. Um, Actually, no, let's, let's talk about this, and I'll play the clip. So the ninja movie that I think is is ground zero for ninja stuff in the American context is The Octagon. Can you tell us a little bit about The Octagon since you just watched it, JG? I just watched The Octagon probably about an hour or two ago. It's a Chuck Norris vehicle of sorts. I still don't understand the plot because it's very convoluted international Mm -hmm. terrorists killing an ambassador somehow chuck norris gets involved and it has to stop the ninjas who are working with the terrorists and it's a very weird movie because throughout the whole thing there's these inner monologues that chuck norris has where it's not chuck norris's voice doing the (laughs) monologue they got a different person to do the voice which is actually great because it gave chuck norris actual personality i swear to god chuck norris is walker texas corpse that dude has the personality of a zombie or maybe a wooden plank. So it's a fun movie in a lot of ways. I don't hold it in as high regard as the canon ninja movies. Uh, but it's, you know, it's got Lee Van Cleef in it. That makes me happy. And uh, also the uh, first role of Richard Norton, who did a lot of martial arts movies. Really? He plays the uh, the red ninja in it. So. Um, I also love the colored the colored ninjas. Like, um, oh, who was the guy we were joking about the other night? Ho, Ho is his last name. Oh, Godfrey Ho. Godfrey Ho. We'll get into the... Godfrey Ho because I we want got to it. We, we have to bring up Godfrey Ho, even though we're talking about the, the the canon trilogy. You also can't talk about ninja movies without talking about Godfrey Ho because by the time he starts making ninja movies with like the they almost look like aerobics people and they have the headband that says ninja on it. Right. Well, um, not only that, but he would what what Godfrey Ho would do is he would take these films that were made in like Hong Kong mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, I'm gonna hire Rick, I'm gonna hire 
Richard Harrison, who was a big Western star back in the day. And I'll film scenes with him and then we'll splice it together. It, it's almost like how Power Rangers work. It's like <laughs> yes, you would have yes. like the American scenes and then the Japanese film scenes and you would squash them together, you know, but that's what Godfrey Ho did. And it's interesting. This is why I'm kind of, I, I'll defend Canon films at times just mm-hmm. because I think if you were to watch a Godfrey Ho film side by side with Canon, I, I think there's a lot more, I, I don't know if professionalism is the right word, but there's, uh, I think the Canon sort of films are, are more visually interesting. Whereas, you know, those Godfrey Ho movies, they're fun, but they feel slapped together, man. I, 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 they're slapdash. And I think there's something to be said about Canon not making slapdash films, regardless of the budget. They're like, no, we're going to make a movie. We're not going to just grab scenes from another movie. I mean, how many times has Roger Corman used the same spaceship in a movie? Oh, God. <laughs> I forget how many times he's done and they'll invert it. He has no problem using the same monsters, same backs. He has no problem doing that because he understands got to get the movie made as cheap as possible. And even though Canon had the same mentality... I think there's something to be said about them really seeing themselves as like auteurs. Um, I mean, look at the movie like The Apple. Right. I was going to bring up The Apple because if people don't know, Menachem Golan made The Apple. It got shown at the Montreal Film Festival. It got booed so badly they gave out complimentary CDs of this for the of the soundtrack for this movie. And after the movie, people threw the CDs at the screen. <laughs> and Menachem Golan actually was so devastated by this that he went up to his hotel room and was going to jump out his window and off himself. And his business partner had to uh, talk him down. So, I mean, Men- Menachem Golan, for all his faults, I there is something, as someone who loves film, this is a man who really did love movies. I mean, he grew up in Tel Aviv. All he did was watch movies. He was like he would literally forego, you know, having basic like necessities like a refrigerator in his life to go to movies instead. So, I mean, he's obsessed with movies and it does come out, I think, in the canon films. And it is something that I, you know, I kind of appreciate, but definitely an eccentric monocle. Oh, I mean, think about the break in movies. You don't get that Fred Astaire scene with uh, Boogaloo Shrimp on the ceiling in Breaking 2. Unless the people making it, you know, have that film background. Hey, let's 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 get the set. I think they actually had the set, the the revolving set that Fred Astaire had. So, you know, I, I they're complicated. Yeah, right. that's that's the best way to put it. And I right. I should have mentioned this earlier, but if people want a really good um, assessment or critical assessment of 80s movies, especially canon movies, and how they portrayed Arabs. Uh, there's a book by Jack Sheehan called Real Bad Arabs, which Ooh, I, I, is highly yeah. recommended by me. Yeah, I always forget the name of that book. Right, Real, R-E-E-L. I love that title. <laughs> um. it's what's, what's interesting to me, though, about canon is... Uh, you know, Menachem Golan starts out doing the uh, Lemon Popsicle films, which were basically like, I think they were made before the Porky's movies. But they're yes. basically Israeli teen sex comedies. Uh, yeah. They uh, eventually remade Virgin. them. They remade the mm-hmm. Lemon Popsicle movie as the last American Virgin for mm-hmm. American audiences 
and I, I'm not sure American audiences got it. Your friend Diane Franklin is in that movie, mm-hmm. actually. But uh, it's they they literally worked in almost every genre imaginable, and usually in a way that you would never expect. You know, like I, I was watching um, the 1990 or the 1989 Phantom of the Opera movie with Robert Englund, which was not canon. I think it was 21st Century Film Group, which was Menachem Golan after canon. After they left and I'm movie. watching this movie, and it's literally like a combination of Sam Raimi's The Dark Man, The Phantom of the Opera, and it switches between 1980s New York and uh you know the the 1800s in paris and it's just a really bizarre movie but only ken was willing to do things that were that out there you know and in the weird world of canon it all makes sense as we'll find out with the ninja movies oh yeah yeah as you know so shokushugi who is the bad ninja in the first ninja movie enter the ninja originally that movie was going to star mike stone so the story is that Mike Stone was one of the actors on The Octagon. And he was friends with Chuck Norris. He hustled his way into the Canon Films office with a script for Enter the Ninja. And it was called something different. I can't remember. And after talking to him for a while, they're like, fine, we'll make it. And he was going to be the main guy. They didn't like him, so they kicked him off. Um, Then they brought him back as a stunt coordinator and I think he actually is in one of the Ninja Trilogy. And he introduced him to Shokushugi, who was just also a stunt guy in L.A. And they took a, you know, a flyer on show and then like, we'll, we'll make you the bad guy in this because he did a, a, demonstra- a ninjutsu demonstration for them. And for the good guy, they wanted someone with worldwide appeal. Um, so Frank Nero, who actually did a lot of those spaghetti Westerns, he's an Italian actor, had a global audience. And I didn't know that was why they got him because they overdub his lines in the movie because he's got an accent. Um, he also doesn't know how to fight. <laughs> and, uh, one of the greatest scenes in that movie is him with nunchucks shirtless um so for a hairy man with a mustache frank nero um who's got the chest hair of a 70s shag carpet his ability to be a suave sexy ninja gave me confidence still does (laughs) still does my, my understanding too is that uh they had fired the original guy that, that was supposed to play the Franco Nero character. Mike Stone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they they just – they were in Manila, and I guess there was a film festival. And they're like, oh, he's he's at this restaurant. And I think Menachem Cullen went and talked to him and was like, we really need you for this movie. And it, it's – I mean, that's the beauty of, of these movies, though, is like, you know, these movies are made in almost like a car crash type way where they're just rushing – to do a lot of things, you know, Menachem going would say, no, we have to add this. We, no, take this out. You know, there needs to be more TNA. There needs to be more. You know? And yet somehow it all sort of comes together and works. And what's weird to me, I mean, it works on this level of like sort of juvenile cinema. And I, I mean, to me, that's what these movies are. They're movies that you watch 
in the same way that you watch like an old episode of like WWF wrestling in the early nineties, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's very much like a, even though there's, these are R rated movies, there's like a juvenilia to it that I, I really dig. If you can like let go of, you know, logic for a second. And by the way, I think Franco Nero, yeah, he, he can't, he's not a, a guy that's trained in, you know, martial arts or anything, but he does have charisma. And I do think he works in the movie, even though he's dubbed over, but you know, um, I think I found it. So, um, hold on. I think I found the scene. Franco Nero is dubbed over in the movie, but Franco Nero using nunchucks is, you know, there's, there's just no word. There's no words to describe how awesome it is when he's doing that. Any, any ninja scenes here, hold on, hold on. You found some, I found some ninja scenes for you. Um, I'm trying to find one of the ninja deaths. <laughs> like I said, he may not know how to use nunchucks, but he does have what the kids call Riz. He he does he does this thing. He does this thing where hold on. Here we go. Oh, we got it. Okay. So we're gonna show uh Jinx says JG Michael smokes cigarettes. JG Michael's gonna smoke a pack and a half before this shit is over. Don't you worry. Um, so we're going to watch some murder. Enjoy. Ninja murder. Ninja! I've got to go! Oh, shit. Oh, shit, sir, if you don't show yourself now! Just one moment, Mr. Parker. <laughs> Ninja? Listen, I, I really do want to talk to you. Christopher and I don't George want to kill a girl. Shot in the arm with an arrow. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, but live action. You know. What did you think he was gonna do? He shot him with an arrow in the arm. He shot him with an arrow in the arm, and then Christopher George says, "Go get them." Something <laughs> hurts, sir. <laughs> We better give in, sir. <laughs> now we can talk. If you want your Mr. Parker alive, you better listen to me. Who said I wanted Mr. Parker alive? <laughs> but so- like when you watch this movie, that guy is like the number two bad guy that's traveled all over the world to look for another ninja to stop Frank Nero. So Enter the Ninja is loosely based off the octagon and Enter the Ninja was a book called The Ninja that was a popular book in the New York. It was a New York Times bestseller. So uh, Canton Films took the Mike Stone script with this book that came out mishmash it all together plus the octagon and they got this story about an ex 
ex-Marine. It's always an ex-Marine. It's always an ex-Marine. An ex-Marine, and he goes, his, his friend is living in the Philippines, and his land is in danger by these rich British people. Um, they, want it, they want his land um, to do evil British stuff. Well, they, they want it for the oil. That's what it was. I knew there was something evil and British they wanted. And so uh, he calls his friend the ninja, as you do when you're an ex-Vietnam vet that looks like James Caan. And so the James Caan-looking guy has a wife, and the James Caan-looking guy also has erectile dysfunction. You find out about halfway through the film (laughs) that he's got ED. Yeah, that, you know, that's one of the things I love about this movie. There's this, like, really weird and off-putting love triangle throughout <laughs> it where he knows that Susan George is cheating on him with Franco Nero. Yeah. And, like, but they still, like, care about each other, but it's, like, the whole thing is just it's like a train wreck. So this, they're supposed to be not just, like, we're bonded by friendship and blood because we've killed and saved each other's lives in Vietnam. And now James Con guy, you're with Susan George, but your dick doesn't work and you're drinking too much. And this is in 1981, so there's no dick pills for you. So I am also your dick pill, kind of. I'm a ninja saving your property. That's one of the funniest parts of the movie because there's there's a scene <laughs> where he's he's like getting drunk and he's like, she's such a sexy lady but I can't get it up anymore. She yeah. deserves better than that. And then the next scene the next is scene. Susan George getting into bed with Franco Nero. She gets into like, bed with him. Like, I, I was like, wait a minute. I was, you know how you watch stuff and you're kind of like laying down and you're, you're dozing a little. And that scene happened. And when this, when he guy goes and I can't get it up. And I was like, holy shit, this is what you yell at at bars with your friends. Like you guys are <laughs> really close. This is therapist close. Like, right. I'm really close with my friends, I think. But I don't know it's if it's so like, bizarre and Ooh. out of nowhere, though. I love it. Guys, you know my hot wife? Just can't bang her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's this perm. I don't know what it is, but I just can't. <laughs> Someone says bull ninja. <laughs> so he knows, yeah, he knows his wife is, you know, sneaky. She's not even really sneaking out. She just walks into the room. And uh, gets into bed with Frank near, but I'm also I'm like, dude, that's your best friend's wife, and like, really? It's not like you knew her back in the day. Did I you... mean, maybe this movie was ahead of its time. It's polyamory. It's polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> Vulcan Blackfire says, not telling the bar homies about my ED anytime soon. <laughs> he just blurts it out at the bar. Yeah, I can't. I, 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 this marriage would be a lot better if I could fuck. So, so Frank Nero is saving his, his land by killing, you know, henchmen for the bad British guys that dress like they're on fantasy Island and um, goddamn imagine a ninja polycule. <laughs> oh my God. And so, and so uh, this guy who just got shot by his boss has been all over the planet looking for something to stop Frank Nero 
and um, he finds Sho Kasugi, and now they're having a ninja off, and the main bad guy's like, I don't really give a damn about this guy anyway, because I got Sho Kasugi, and he can stop Frank N- Franco Nero. Oh. Now, wait, wait, ninja, wait. Why don't we speak like civilized men? You are a ninja, a hired assassin. Why don't you come to work for me? No. A position has become vacant. I'm like, you're a horrible salesman. How'd you become a rich billionaire? <laughs> who the fuck? Who takes that job? Would you take that job? I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. <laughs> I've never walked in on a job interview, see someone get fired, and then they go, you're hired. I'm like, I don't know. You guys seem pretty fucked up. Maybe this ain't the company for me. Not for hire. Good answer. Frank. Then what were you doing working for Frank Landers? He forgot his name. He was my friend. <laughs> he forgot the line. He totally forgot the line. How drunk do you think he was when he was doing this movie? I'm assuming he was very drunk. <laughs> he totally <laughs> forgot the line. <laughs> you. You killed him. And now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yes! Yes! This is the best. You should have won an Academy Award for that. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. I knew you were going to show this scene. I was like waiting for it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on. The ninja star, as we've said on this show, is this weapon that gives you a puncture wound, but apparently that puncture wound is a death wound. If you get hit anywhere with a ninja star, it's a wrap for you. You are no longer a problem. Am I lying? No lie detected. I mean, that's that's a rule in ninja movies as well. Anyone who gets hit with a ninja star, done. Ninja star hits you in the head? Sorry. Thank you for your service. Ninja star hits you in the leg? You're done. Thank you for your service. Shin? Thank you for your service. <laughs> you are no longer... <laughs> you are no longer in the film. And a ninja star to the chest? To the to the main bad guy? Is there is there a better death scene? No. I mean that's probably Christopher George's best death scene, and he has been in some like wild and woolly films. He was the in um he was in Fulci's uh, City of the Living Dead. Oh, that's right. Mortuary Graduation Day. Uh, he's really good in Grizzly, but uh, that dude has been in a lot of movies, and that is the most memorable scene I will ever see him in. There's <laughs> nothing can top that. Just the, oh. He's like, what what just happened here? Here, we have to also show why Shokasugi is the kind of star of the show tonight. He's the goat. Right? We have to to show you guys why he's the goat. 
And this is the scene where, so I'm backing up a little bit, where the main bad guy, uh, his his number two guy, goes to Japan, which I think is just L.A. And <laughs> he goes to a ninja agent, actually. That's another part of this movie. When you do illegal things in these movies, there's always a middleman. And I have so many friends that want to do things. They'll like hit me up. They'll be like, dude, I, I, I'm like, oh, what's up? You know, like, hey, I'm about to do this thing where I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to go find these things. And then I'm going to, and then I get the money. And I'm like, but that sounds like you're a middleman. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a middleman. I'm like, well, why would anyone need you? It sounds like a very useless thing. Stop watching these get which get rich quick videos. They're not going to work out for you. No one needs a middleman. Life is not a ninja movie where there's a middleman sitting around like this guy. So this guy goes to an agent. He's literally an agent for actors. That 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 was what I was referring to earlier. That's one of the best parts of the movie for me. Is when he he's talking to the, the like the villain, this second henchman dude is like talking to the agent and he's like, "Well, I can get you this actor. He's real big in Hollywood. He even worked with Robert Mitchum on this Japanese movie." And like <laughs> the henchman crony villain is like, "No, I want a real ninja." <laughs> It's you want so ninja? I get ninja. That is literally the line. <laughs> and then he goes and starts auditioning ninjas. How do you go from? Has anyone ever met a Hollywood agent or been around one? Any kind, music agent, any kind of agent, travel agent. Give a fuck what kind of agent you've been around. I don't think any of these people have the Rolodex of assassins. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say there is no Rolodex of assassins that your travel agent has, that your music agent. I have I have a book. I still to this day have a booking agent. Great guy. Anytime we have a problem, we call him TJ. There's no water in the dressing room. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> They're coming funny on our money. No, we don't call him with those problems. But seriously, he he fixes all of our problems for the live gigs and stuff, right? I don't think TJ could get us an assassin. I think he could get us hard drugs if we ask for it. Um, I think he might be able to get us a juggling little person if we really ask for it. But assassin might be a bridge too far for that 10% commission. And someone says, Jason doesn't have a ninja guy. <laughs> it's almost like that show uh, Pawn Stars. How on Pawn Stars, they always have a guy. Someone comes in with the most ob obscure piece of thing in the history of the world. And they have a guy that can come in and like, oh, I, I have a guy for that. And they call up a dude and he comes and, you know, authenticates it. That does not work for agents. There is no agent that can just get you a ninja. Just letting you know. It's no, it's no Rolodex of assassins. With bugs in town. We need help. <clears throat> then I think I have the right man for you. Hashigawa. Gentlemen, please. 
I love the way he's, hey, hey, what'd I tell you? <laughs> what'd I tell you? <laughs> what I did, hey, 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 you want ninja? I can tell you I gave you ninja. Hey, no. And and imagine uh, the next line, he goes to Shokasu, can you kill an awkward Italian man? <laughs> Who gallivants around in white satin pajamas. <laughs> the way white people kill highly trained Asian people in the 80s is never talked about as racism. But let's impress your John says ninja outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about this this level of racism a little bit more. Mercutio, thank you for the super chat. The TIR live show will have a ninja security force. I wish. I wish. I would ugh. go back to Karate Kid 2. Remember in Karate Kid 2? Mm-hmm. There's a few things that happened in that movie that I kind of didn't understand as a young person, and I watched it again as like a a teen, and I was very upset with it. First of all, they're in Japan, supposedly a small little village somewhere in Okinawa, and everyone only communicates in English. That's it. Broken English, so you know they're Japanese, apparently, because you wouldn't know that. <laughs> Everything's written in Japanese, but everyone communicates in English, even these peasant villagers. Right. And uh, then you have Chozon, who's supposed to be this badass fucking karate guy. And Daniel's son is like the equivalent of a YMCA karate kid that got one lucky kick on William Zabka. And he's supposed to just whoop his ass. So he whoops Chozon's ass in Karate Kid 2. And I believed it. I'm not going to lie. I believed it. I believed in a lot of things. When I was younger, I still believe in a few weird things. I believed in the power of Ralph Macchio at five foot eight with six months of karate training to defeat probably a black belt that's about six four. I believe that. Outweighed him by at least 80 pounds. And he beat him with the drum technique. I I believed all of that. My younger brother at the time had a baby rattle that I thought was a martial arts weapon. (laughs) That's how I'm saying this because I want you to know how stupid I am. But the mask off moment for me is when he comes back in Karate Kid 3 and he can't beat one angry white dude. Right. After I come back from Japan... And I just whooped a black belt's ass that outweighed me by 80 pounds. You really can't tell me shit at that point. (laughs) (laughs) See, I just end up thinking about Enter the Dragon and the dirty they did to Jim Kelly in that. Jim Kelly should have been the survivor, not John Saxon. Right? Right? I mean, to be fair with Enter the Ninja, what I find interesting about this is, so compared to a movie like The Octagon, the ninjas are just all evil in the octagon. <laughs> yeah, but the, in yeah. this movie, it is interesting. So Franco Nera 
trains with the ninjas for years, and the beginning of the movie is him graduating. But the ninjas are actually portrayed as, like, good, decent people. And it just happens that Shokasugi is, like, this angry, you know, sort of renegade guy that goes against uh, the sort of code of honor. Um, So, I mean, I do think there is a racist element to it. But there's also, I mean, it portrays the the Japanese characters in this movie, the ninjas, as uh, in generally a positive light outside of the Kasugi character, which I thought was interesting for the time. Someone says this movie sounds like a slur. Yeah, well, <laughs> it it is. The movie is a slur. It's it's a weird thing because if you look at the movies, usually any any bad acts by Japanese people in these movies are orchestrated by white people. Right. So I will repeat that. Any bad acts done by Japanese people are orchestrated by white people. And if there's any sort of like uh, fighting one-on-one, there's a jealousy element. Right. They it's, were... similar, it's similar to the old uh, black exploitation movies of the 70s in that regard. You yeah. Know, so the much to the – to the point where we get jokes in the 80s in movies like I'm going to get you, sucker, mm-hmm. where John Vernon is like, well, of course I'm the villain. I'm the white dude that controls all the, <laughs> yeah, the black and, people. And there was always a double cross in these movies, where right? well, except, except for this movie doesn't really have a double cross per se. But I would think fucking that your friend's wife is a bit of a, a thing. But um, a lot of the other movies, especially the sequel to this, Revenge of the Ninja, there's there's the double cross element of a white guy kind of pulling the strings and then you have to find out at the end and then he has to but he's a master as well he's always a master the craziest thing for me about this movie is that like in the third act out of nowhere they they go in to the offices of the christopher george character uh venarius i think is his name and uh you know first off venarius is like the weirdest villain he's like this like artsy guy that is like I'm I'm creating art in my office, and he has these women yeah. dancing in his pool doing formations. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then his one henchman has like, you know, a hook for a a, a, a hand. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, it's like Tihi from uh, Live and Let Die, the James Bond movie. There, there's all these like check marks for like truly weird Saturday morning cartoon nonsense that they have in this live action movie. And then out of nowhere, uh, Franco Nero and his friend Dollars are in the offices and dollars finds like a set of movies and he's like oh these must be pornos i haven't seen these ones before (laughs) and then he turns on the projector and you just see shokasugi murder a guy Mm -hmm. so literally they include it for no apparent reason like plot point involving snuff films like out of out of nowhere and then franco nero is like oh that is my old friend from my training days yeah. <laughs> like, that's the way they chose to include that was through a plot point about snuff films. It's just bizarre. And what's also funny about that is like, wait a minute, I don't think you guys are the same age. But I think they ended up no, Frank Nero's older than Shokasugi, right? Shokasugi's about seventy five now. Yeah, I, I think Franco Nero probably is older. And um it's like you guys were when did you train? You definitely didn't do it in Vietnam. Right. Because you were already a ninja dude ish with a gun never to use a gun again like there's there's so much if you try to get too deep in these movies you're not going to like it excuse me you have to just watch it you have to just watch it um 
the sequel to this movie, Shokasugi wanted to be the lead. They cast him as lead. The sequel to this movie has nothing to do with the first movie. Do you think the sequel's a better plot? I like the sequel more. I don't know if I would I don't know if I'd say better plot. I mean, I think I it was more interesting to watch for you because it's more insanity than the previous. <laughs> I mean, this one has ninja hypnosis in it. <laughs> this one is ninjas and vampires. Same rule book. They never come out in the day. I'll Don't tell you me. what. I, I knew I was going to love Revenge of the Ninja. Oh, do you want to show this clip first? Then I'll. No, no. To... This, this is just the trailer. Well, okay. What I was going to say is I knew I was going to love this movie. Uh straight out the shoot because they have you know shokasuki is like training his son who is played mm-hmm. by his actual son his actual, yeah his actual son yeah. and then out of nowhere you just have this like woman in like a red robe with mm-hmm. no pants on coming mm-hmm. and interrupt their training session and then she fights with shokasuki and yeah. you can tell there's a sexual tension and i'm like she has no pants on and she's fighting <laughs> like it's very i don't know who his wife is or was but I think she had a you better not fuck a white woman clause in his <laughs> contract. He gets real close in every movie. And he'll look at him with those shokasugi like, I'm about to bet. He can't do it. It's like there's a force field. Right. And uh, you're talking about as a woman he's like supposed to be training. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's scantily clad and with no pants on. She goes, I came here with no pants on. Yeah, he even says to her, do you do you? If you want to train, you should have pants. <laughs> I came here to fuck. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's not on the menu here. But I, I knew as soon as, as soon as that scene happened, I'm like, oh, this is going to be completely insane, this movie. Oh, dude. So here's the trailer for Revenge of the Ninja. I want you guys to get a kick out of this. The greatest ninja warrior vows to give up killing. My sword is... So... They kill the shit out of his family. Right. In a scene that was like just filmed, I think after they finished the movie and Menachem Golan just says, no, you need to do a scene where at the beginning we're going to have an intro where we just kill everyone. I'm I'm not kidding. They say that in Electric Boogaloo, the documentary. And he just, he literally came up with it on the fly. And it's like, just do this whole intro scene where they kill the guy's whole family. Kill Kasugi's whole family. That's how you know. Like, it wasn't in the script or it, he just came up with it, like, out of nowhere. I, I had a dream. Maybe cocaine was involved. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> but ninjas everywhere. The killing, the killing, the killing, killing. The wife, the baby, the killing, killing, killing. You know, I just so I can get it out there, I made that joke about Menachem Golan a few days ago when I was uh, researching for this, and I think I put it on my Facebook I said, you know, this is a dude who came out and said, we're going to make a sequel to Cobra with Stallone, and he's yeah. going to take on the drug dealers, you know, because drug dealers are the biggest menace of our society. Drugs are the menace. And I'm thinking to myself, Menachem Golan, you are probably the biggest user of cocaine in Hollywood in the 80s. Come on here. You know? He's doing rails as he's yelling it out. No, there's no way he wasn't. <laughs> he's when he, If you watch this movie – the grandmother is also a ninja. It, yeah. You again, guys. If you want full on 
what do they say in uh, Days of Thunder? Never go full retard. They went full retard in this movie because the the killing scene in the opening. I remember watching it, going, "Jesus Christ, did you have to kill the baby? <laughs> Fuck me to kill everybody." You you know what was funny about this? Oh, well, I was go gonna say what's funny is when I was watching this, I was thinking back to uh. A few weeks ago, when I watched Menachem Golan's attempt to make or attempt to produce a uh, Phantom of the Opera movie, the one I mentioned with Robert mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. initially they wanted to do this all in the past. And then Menachem Golan's idea was we'll set it up where it takes place in the past, but we'll do a sequel that sets it up for a present day Phantom in uh, Manhattan, terrorizing Manhattan. I think it was called Phantom of the Opera, Terror in Manhattan. And I'm like, this dude really has an obsession. With making sequels where they just go to New York or LA and, and mess things up because that's There's only two cities that matter. Is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and we'll we're start not even with a, a movie in, in Manila and then we'll do a sequel in New York. <laughs> like, and always. we're not even talking about like the stuff they did when they got the contracts for the big name actors, when they got like the Stallone contract. And of course, they just, did, I think they did nine movies with Charles Bronson that are all the same movie. Right. They're all the same movie. Will I watch them all? Yes. <laughs> Have I watched? Yes. Don't even ask that. You know the answer. But it's just the same movie, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. They recycled the same idea for sequels a lot of times. It's it, some of the, we have to give them props though for some of the things that they did that they did do well. These ninja movies are great popcorn films. Yes. If you want to sit down with a date and or your buddies and just fucking have a hoot of a good time, it's Sunday. You don't know what to do. There's no more football for you. <laughs> Throw on any of the three ninja movies in any order, right? Because it doesn't matter. And you will be like, I can't believe I just saw that murder scene. Or I can't believe that little boy is now in trouble because I'm sure he doesn't know what cocaine is. Remember when the kid, he dropped. No, heroin. It's heroin. Heroin. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even do that. I got the wrong drug. Well, they were like, do not sully the the good name of cocaine. Real quick. I mean, that is an important point that you bring up because I mean, I get making fun of the Canon film group movies and we make fun of them too, but like, so revenge of the ninja, I believe it was made on $700,000. And you can see that at some points, but really you don't see it that much. I mean, you don't, they knew how to work within their budgetary constraints and there's always something happening on screen, you know, mm-hmm. and they do little weird, you know, things during each of the fight scenes. Like in, in one scene, Shokasuki uh, uses his sword and cuts off the guy's mustache, half of his mustache. <laughs> there's yeah. always something visually interesting happening. And I think it makes up for, you know, the very small budgets they were working with. They're always trying to have, you know, interesting visuals and keeping the pace up constantly. And I think that's why they're such great popcorn movies. Most canon, it, I don't know how you feel, and I don't know how people feel that are watching this right now. When the canon logo came on the screen, when I was a kid, you know, watching Cinemax while my poor mom worked nights. <laughs> And I'm just watching, you know, unsupervised cable, unsupervised stolen cable. 
when I saw that the canon thing, I was like, okay, whatever this is, I'm going to enjoy it. I didn't give a fuck what it was. I was going to sit down and enjoy it. There's like two things that happen at Malibu Bay, canon, maybe three, trans world. If I see trans world, you know, buckle up because this is going to be an interesting ride. But when those things came on the screen, full moon. See, for me, it's always been, and I know some will disagree with this, but it was always, if I would see canon, full moon, and it's uh, really the big two for me are canon and anything New World did in the 80s. Yeah. New Whether World. it was before or after Corman was involved with New World. Yeah. But I would see those logos and I'm like, oh, this will probably be, you know, a decent low budgeter, you know. And the canon movies, though, are like in a league of their own. Because they really are. I compared it to like Saturday morning wrestling, but you could even compare it to, you know, not just cartoons, but you feel like you're watching a live action comic book half the time. Oh, know? dude. And maybe that's, that's why they're yeah. straight. Maybe that's why I love these things so much because they can be slapsticky. They were just in, there were these insane movies that came on at night. And again, I've said this so many times on the show, waiting for the movie I want to see, right? Uh, Friday the 13th, part seven, or, you know, Nightmare 2. There's always some, some horror movie that was going to come on on a Friday or Saturday night that I, I had to see. And I had, a, I had a mother that worked nights. She worked a lot. So these movies were my babysitter, sadly. And, you know, probably a good reason why I have relationship problems. <laughs> but... You know, well, that's the other thing. They're they're like really they're basically like kids movies with a bunch of nudity. So if you're like 12 years old up late at night and you see a canon movie, it appeals to your like juvenile, you know, troglodyte brain at the age of 12. But you're also like, ooh, I may see some boobies. You're good. Yes. Yes. If it was a detective movie, you're going to see boob. <laughs> If you hear that synth, that synth saxophone, you're going to see a boober too. <laughs> if, if it's set in the dystopian Mad Max-like future, you're probably not going to see a boob, but you are also in for an interesting ride. Right. And Cannon did all these. Jason goes on dates with a ninja sword in his back. No longer do I do that, but I did own a ninja sword that I think my younger brother has. <laughs> so Prester John says, when the parents went to Vegas, I would damn near flip the whole damn house looking for the on TV key. Um, so we didn't have that. We had, I'm old enough to have had a cable box um, that only got a few channels. And then, um, then that was gone, and we had this weird. I'm not, I'm not. You guys don't want to hear the whole story. I'm dating some guy that got us some sort of weird hookup on the cable, so we definitely had Cinemax. I think HBO. Um, but dude, if you hear a saxophone, you know, it's probably one in the morning, and you shouldn't be watching that at, at nine to twelve years old. That that's what the appeal though is, I think, for a lot of people that grew up with these movies, is it they, these were movies whether you're talking about Friday the thirteenth or the ninja movies, 
you know, they're the movies that you would watch late at night. And there's this sense of danger to watching them because, oh, there's going to be like blood and guts. And mm-hmm, there may mm-hmm. be some nudity, you know, mm-hmm. like there's something, there's like a taboo around them, you know, because they're seen as, I mean, these are not movies that are, you know, the height of good taste. But when you're no. 12 years old, it's like, ooh, that's like taboo. I want to see that, you know, like. And I want it more, you know, I, I would go look at the Fangorias at the at the record store. I think we had Fangoria at the 7-Eleven where I lived in Richmond, California. So if there was a movie magazine, especially a horror magazine, I'm thumbing through it. And if there was a martial arts magazine, so they had these Soldier of Fortune things. Do you remember the Soldier of Fortune magazines? Are you old enough to remember that, JG? This might be before your time. So before the net when you could just get all the ninjas you want whenever you wanted it you know you had to wait for a ninja flick to come on tv or you would go to the the bookstore or whatever and they'd have like these magazines called like soldier of fortune or magazines similar to that for gun nuts and in there would always be ninja shit Like you can order a ninja star or you can get a video that would teach you how to how to train like a ninja. And we played some of those clips in the champagne room um, (laughs) with the guy (laughs) that was trying to defeat his assailant with change in his pocket. (laughs) He said, if you just you throw the change, you know, poke him in the eye. And someone said, someone, I think someone in the chat said, ah, the eyes, the testicles of the face. <laughs> but let's play this. I'm sorry. I will, I will shut up now. We've got to play this trailer. Forever, but a ninja cannot escape his destiny. It will follow him from the gardens of Japan to the streets of America. Get those people out of here. The heroin spilled out. Damn it! He's caught in a drug war between the American mafia and the Japanese yakuza. What did I? What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? Ninja star. You get hit with a ninja star. Thank you for your service. How did that half-inch blade? Go all the way through his hand into the telephone pole, making him immobile. How many movies have you seen where the dude's got a knife wound? Like, you know those movies where it's usually like a Western or something with Clint Eastwood where uh, you don't know he got shot until a half hour in and he does this move jg he does this move here i'm gonna make myself big on the screen i'm gonna be airing it for one second he does this he goes oh my god there's blood right <laughs> you, 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 there has to be a, usually a woman oh my god you're bleeding thanks you're gonna do anything See, about but it with, with, gonna... with the ninja movies you can always you know say and this is why they're so great is there's always this like internal logic where you can just be like, oh, well, he he knew how to throw the ninja star at exactly the right speed <laughs> to make it impale his hand. And he knew exactly the bones it would hit so that it would go through the bone into the, the telephone pole. And like, it's just very bizarre. That, that is that is what I told myself as a young person when I watched these movies like, dude, I, I want to get the ability to pinpoint my ninja star throwing 
Right. Not knowing if I threw that at someone, they'd be like, ow, and they'd come and beat shit out of me because I poked them pretty much. I, I had somewhat of a similar experience when I, <laughs> you know, I went into, I, you know, I, I trained in Taekwondo when I was really little and I stuck with it. But initially when I went to like the Taekwondo classes, at like, I don't know, like six or seven years old, I got all really annoyed really quickly. I was like, this isn't like Power Rangers. I thought this was Power Rangers. <laughs> And the, the people at the dojo had to, like, explain to me, like, just calm down. Like, you sound like this. This is the, one of the best comments we've ever got. My dad, this is from Prester John. My dad thought he was a welder till a spark popped him in the neck and he sold his van and equipment that week. Oh my God. Real life has a way of kicking you in the testicles that can change your trajectory. <laughs> An ass-kicking can really change your trajectory. <laughs> if you're that kid that's fucking around, like you got, you went to Chinatown and got like real nunchucks, and you walk around the hood thinking you really know what you're doing, somebody kicks the shit out of you, you will throw those nunchucks away. <laughs> and Bruce Lee is the fucking tooth fairy all of a sudden. He went from being the world's greatest badass to a con man after you got your ass kicked with your own nunchucks. <laughs> oh, shit. You guys know who that man was on the screen right there? Here, I'll rewind it. If you can tell me who this guy is, JG, then you are officially not real. I already think that you have a time machine. Do you know who that man is? I do not know. I, I'm at a loss this time. Um, he's really good friends with Marlon Brando, and they were big-time proponents of the civil rights movement. Okay. And that is Soleil Moon Fry's dad. Oh, is that Virgil Fry? Yeah. Okay, I did not recognize him first. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. yep, that is who that guy is. Running around there killing people in the 20th century. Another thing about ninja movies is that ninjas are almost like ghosts in these movies because they're so early on in the ninja craze. Because um, really all we have, and they don't really say Snake Eyes is a ninja in G.I. Joe. If you know the story of the G.I. Joe figures when they came out with the new smaller line to compete with Star Wars, when they re-envisioned the, the action figure, right? It used to be just called Doll. Um, Snake Eyes is a mold. <laughs> did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he's just a blank mold. I, I do not know nearly as much as you do about G.I. Joe. <laughs> as you shouldn't. You know, if you were, it, that means your your parents were horrible people. If you know this much about GI Joe, I told you about <laughs> my daughter. My daughter so mad at me because she does not understand certain pop culture references of people her own age because she watched He Man and She-Ra, GI Joe, Tales from the Crypt, Three's Company. <laughs> my daughter can tell you anything about Jack, Janet, and Chrissy but doesn't know who Harry Potter is. 
I failed as a parent. I failed as a parent. By the way, since you haven't stopped on this specific shot of uh, <laughs> and the chick, uh, Kathy, who's played by Ashley Ferreira, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm starting to think that my love, I've always had a thing for blondes. And it's probably oh. because I grew up watching canon movies that had Susan George or Ashley Ferreira or Sharon Stone. <laughs> like, oh, uh, they influenced uh, me. We were just talking about who's Gene Simmons' wife, or not wife, but Shannon Tweed. Oh my Shannon God, I love Tweed. Shannon Tweed. We did a whole. We spent way too long in the champagne room talking about uh, Shannon Tweed. Uh, you would think I would like blondes, but I still am terrified of white women. <laughs> Can't yeah, I, I just I watched too many canon movies with like blonde leads, and then I I used to like watch any Linnea Quigley movie I could get as a kid. So. Oh, yes. 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 I have to second that. <laughs> Especially when I found out she was like the screen queen. And she's a punk rocker, just like you, man. <laughs> Linnea so. is a punk rocker. Charles Mueller says, as a guy who did order nunchucks from the Black Belt magazine ad, the trauma to one's nerds is very <laughs> There was another guy that said no chucks was taking out cats nuts all over America. <laughs> oh, fuck. Someone says, as you should be, Jason, as you should be. Yeah. Just can't. I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. If you guys... If you guys see me with a white woman in public and it's like a dating situation, just know I either took a bag or it's like a I'm a like a pod person. She's ninja kryptonite on screen. Oh my god. This is the scene that JG and I are talking about. Where yeah. she she comes up to Shoksugi with no pants on. In front of his kid, by the way. <laughs> Dizzy Dizzy McFizzle says, I'm terrified of all women. Keep your mind right, fellas. You'd be surprised how many people love the crap. You'd be surprised, man. <laughs> No pants on in front of the kid. Like, it was like no big deal. Like, hey, kid, want to learn about nature? <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. We got to go back. 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 Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pause it right as she spins around. Oh, can it? Can we get it? Right at the spin. Can we pause it right? Is this it? Oh! There you go. Had I had the ability to stop live television in 1984 or 5 or 6 or 7 when I would have watched this movie. You know, when I was watching this very inebriated last night, I just saw that scene and I was, this shows how much of a caveman I still am. I was like, yeah! <laughs> Ooh la la! 
So as she's wearing flesh-colored underwear, she's wearing stockings, actually, which is why I guess she felt comfortable to walk in in front of a child uh, with no pants on. But um, someone says no well, drawers. Well, she had a tasteful robe on. Okay. <laughs> I hope you don't wear one of those around the house. <laughs> Fucking watch out where you're swinging a dead leg. <laughs> if I had the ability to pause, I would have been viewing this like the Zapruder film. <laughs> right here, fellas. <laughs> Back and to the left. Can I just say something? We didn't mention this movie not only has ninjas, but there's also a whole subplot involving the mafia. Yes. Which is glorious. Because the the movie is about there's like this white guy that's trying to like double cross the mob with the Japanese. This is also back when the Japanese were like the way we view the Chinese now. Everybody was scared of Japanese people taking over because of the auto industry. And um any ninja in a ninja movie that has any sort of regalia on their ninja hood, A is a bad guy. And B is super strong ninja guy. If you have like a chain thing on your ninja thing, or if your ninja mask has eyes, like eyewise shut mask or some shit like that. Like if your ninja costume has that shit, you are a bad guy and you might have like a magical power. Your honor, it was a tasteful rope. <laughs> Lenny Power says, y'all talk about three ninjas or superior sequel. Three ninjas kick back. JG <laughs> opened the show talking about how that got him into ninjas, Lenny. Um, someone says, I saw a Pinto. Wow. Yeah, this movie is from 1983. But can we get the scene where he spit a million thumbtacks into someone? I laughed out loud when I saw that scene last night. I was also highly inebriated for that part, too, and I just started laughing hysterically. Like, also, ninjas do shit. So we got to get back to, right, back to the Zapruder film, right? Always pause it right on her. I've noticed that. that you know that you know, back and to the left. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did I, we got to catch this guy getting kicked in the fucking face? That's a good. You're a good actor, sir. It's definitely not. <laughs> God, fuck. <laughs> no laughing this time. Why can't? I, there we go. <laughs> so how does he just constantly walk around with all of these in his mouth or is this some david blaine shit 
<laughs> it's like some David Copperfield shit, man. He's he's like he's a ninja. It's magic ninja like deception moves. Yeah, he's just magically like summoned them. <laughs> Dizzy McFizzle. Oh yes, the ninja's natural enemy, the mafia. <laughs> Like, I hope you guys understand why I fucking love this show. You know what? Fuck it. I can't stop. The Black Ninja. A disciple of evil who kills for pleasure. Only a ninja can stop it. We got him with a game of jacks. (laughs) That also was a great scene in this movie. Where he like fucking throws the jacks down. It's like killer jacks. So look at this guy. And look at his ninja mask. It's got an extra thing to it. A disciple of- it's got the eyes. If you have I- anything like that in your ninja mask. <sighs> run away dude. Not, Not only that. Me. yeah, It has the eyes that they glow green when he hypnotizes you. Because you have to know that he's a fucking badass. <laughs> he's not a regular ninja, right? This ancient regular ninja henchman ninja. And to become a ninja henchman, how much training is involved? <laughs> we never talk about this, right? Like, if ninjas are supposed to be like, oh, like in the every movie, there's a with you mean he's a ninja? <laughs> they talk about it like. You mean he's the most badass guy alive? If you're if you're a, a ninja, the movie opens up where ninjas just obliterate Shokasugi's family. And you think it's taking place in, I don't know, feudal Japan. Because everyone's dressed like they're in feudal Japan. But apparently it was taking place like two weeks before um, <laughs> the fucking... Ladies running around with no pants on. No, six years later. Was it six years? Yeah, like that's not that long ago for him to be dressing like they don't have indoor plumbing. (laughs) And he does this thing that people that usually live like that can't do, which is just up and go. Like uh, his family's dead as shit. And his grandma's like, well, uh, what do you, you should leave. And usually that means like maybe go to another village. He's like, no, I'm just going to get on a fucking plane. (laughs) Take the one thing they didn't kill and go to America and start a new life. Easy peasy. Just the how? (laughs) How? Well, the the villain of the movie gives him the money to do it. That's you know, good point. I forgot about that. And and the grandmother, the grandmother doesn't want him to leave. She's like, you cannot leave Japan. The curse will follow you. I've, I've heard. <laughs> also, the grandmother talks like an old Jewish lady. Yeah. <laughs> I <know>. the curse. <laughs> I'm not good with voice impressions. <laughs> I want you to impersonate all Asian grandmothers from now on. <laughs> you know, there's a curse. Um. Why would the bad guy be like, you know what we... Oh, that's, I know why. This was the plot of the movie. I remember it now. He's using him for the gallery. Yes. So yeah. he has all these dolls 
and he's using the dolls and somehow he's taking the dolls apart and putting little bits of heroin in them. Right. That's where he's storing the heroin to give them to the mob later. To the mob. And these movies, they don't deal with large amounts of drugs in any of them. Remember there's a drug, unless by the time you get to Miami vice, they're showing like those big shipments of, of drugs. But in these movies, the amount of carnage that happens for like two kilos of cocaine is like, did you really have to kill an entire city block for like 50 grand worth of product? Like that seems like a bit much. This seems like a misdemeanor here. Cobretti. I don't, but this guy is smuggling heroin in uh, four inch dolls. Six, let's say six inch dolls. Six inch dolls. He's smuggling heroin in like five, six inch dolls. And this is enough heroin to be smuggled in these dolls to cause this level of carnage. I don't get it. These guys are doing enough drugs to know how much drugs is a lot of drugs. I refuse to believe the director said action without a bowl of cocaine next to him. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Sam Furstenberg directed this and Ninja 3. Right after Ninja 3, he directs one of the most important movies of all time. Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Sam Furstenberg, fucking hero. I want, I want like some like vinegar syndrome to release like a new edition of revenge of the ninja and ninja three the domination with from the director of breaking two electric boogaloo because that would be hilarious dude that's that's some some young filmmaker is going to do that there's got to be a young you know millennial slash gen x filmmaker that wants to make one of those movies (laughs) and i'm here for it Hell yeah. <laughs> See if he survives these jacks. And again, it's that's not enough to kill you, but it could really make you uncomfortable, like the ninja stuff. Only oh, ow! <laughs> this is my hand! Oh, look, it's your dead-ass fucking grandma. Ninja can stop a ninja. Now, as the police look on helplessly, high above the streets of Los Angeles, he must fight the killer who... Um, for people that didn't... Before there was a Halloween store, there were um, places like Kmart. And uh, where I'm from, they had a place called J.J. Newberry. It was these discount stores where you probably got like school supplies. If you were really poor like me, you might even have got your school shoes there. (laughs) And it's also where you got your Halloween costume. And your Halloween costume was a plastic bag that smelled like chemicals. And the plastic bag had an image of something that was popular for your age group. Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing costume. Um... Um, a ninja thing, some sort of Sesame Street character, whatever was popular in the early to mid-80s was imprinted on your toxic plastic bag, and you put your body in that toxic bag, um, 
where there was no ventilation and you were going to sweat like a like a hooker in church, as they say. And then you put a mask like this over your face. That is now the mask they wear in like all these new horror movies. So you look like one of the people in The Strangers in a in a plastic death suit. And that was Halloween. And you were you were jazzed. You were jazzed if that was your Halloween. Now I don't know. This is this before your time, JG? Those those plastic. A little bit suits? before my time, but. Oh my God! If you. This is a good thing, though. I'm saying like you grew up in a good time. There were real costumes. You got to go to a store that revolved around this one day of the fucking week that you gave a shit about as a little person. And you got, a, you got to wear a real costume that had fabric. But everyone else jazzed. Probably have all kinds of cancers. I don't know. I don't have health care. And I'm scared to get a checkup now because of growing up in the 80s. <laughs> but I'm just going to say <laughs> that this mask that this guy is wearing, I guarantee that is just a Halloween mask. And it's got the rubber strap on the back. I guarantee it's got the rubber strap on the back. I bet any money that this is Skeletor from Eme and Mask. Let's, it's like what they did for uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, paint a William Shatner mask white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's what this mask was. But when I watch any ninja movies, and The Master, which was a, a ninja TV show. Right, Lee Van Cleef was in that Lee as Van well. Cleef was in and that. Sho Kasuki, yeah. I it Shokasugi was the bad ninja and he had metal shit on his ninja mask. Again, metal shit on your ninja mask means you also have an extra set of the exploding ninja balls. Maybe that's why Shokasugi doesn't fuck in these movies because he's got exploding ninja balls. <laughs> but exploding ninja balls gets you out of any predicament. I want exploding ninja balls for my life. What do you mean I was speeding, officer? Boom. Exploding ninja ball. Doesn't even see the license plate. Nothing. <laughs> what do you mean I left your text on red? Boom. Exploding ninja ball. <laughs> exploding ninja ball can get you out of anything unless you're fighting a ninja. They never even pull out the exploding ninja balls. <laughs> and if they do, they're useless. I don't get it. I don't get it. But this guy and that suit, oh, this is just, this is, you guys understand why ninja movies were so fucking badass? You could get a Skeletor <laughs> mask from J.J. Newberry and put it on a, a scarf around it and then get a cheap silk robe, you're done with wardrobe. And then you could invest in real drugs for the drug scene. <laughs> was once a friend. Ancient Japanese warfare explodes in America. 
the ultimate martial arts adventure. Also, guys, if you're fans of the Mortal Kombat game, a lot of these old movies, a lot of the things they took from Mortal Kombat, they take from a lot of these old movies. Not just Mortal Kombat, but even stuff that I was growing up with. Like, um, you know, I, I remember playing Pokemon as a kid, and I didn't catch all the weird ninja references they would have at, like, one of the gym levels, you know, or in the cartoon show. Like, a lot of this stuff gets recycled in, like, 90s pop culture. Uh, Mercutio, again, with a great super chat. I want a divorce. <laughs> ninja smoke bomb. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> Tahir says, I'm telling you that Ninja Smokescreen from the Ninja Ball buys you just enough time to dip. And I don't – what's so funny about the Ninja Bomb, everyone – like they can have guns on you, and you see this in Ninja through the domination. He drops a Ninja Smoke Bomb, and all of a sudden they go, oh, and they like cover their faces. It's like he's not – he doesn't have fucking napalm. What do you think <laughs> he's got? Mustard gas? Like what is in it? Oh no, he fought it. Like what is what is what is in the ninja bomb that makes people like recoil in fear? Uh I love it. I love it. I love the ninja bomb. No one can survive. Oh the revenge oh. of the ninja. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did he slice his fucking knees and then do a backflip over a ten foot fence? Landing on his feet as if everything was okay. Ninja mask. You know, I have to say, I think this is probably out of the three movies that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most 80s of the three. (laughs) No, I mean, it has everything. It has, you know, drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, hot tubs and murder, which Mm -hmm. is always a plot point in a bunch of like weird 80s movies. Uh, Professor Toru Tanaka, the pro wrestler, as mm-hmm. you know, a sumo servant. He's literally anytime they need a sumo guy in mm-hmm. a movie, they would just hire Toru Tanaka. And for in this reason, in this movie, he's like creepy. Is he goes like he's sumo servant, but he's rapey sumo servant, which is creepy. But th- this is like the most eighties, right? It's the most eighties ninja movie I can imagine. Like just all the aspects come together, you know. Like you ever seen the movie Boogie Nights? Yeah, I love Boogie Nights. Um, this is like um that party scene where there's that long shot. I think it's like the longest single shot in cinema history. Yeah, yeah. That party scene is the the um script writing scene for this movie. <laughs> yeah, or every day at the office. Yeah, every day at the canon office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the scene in this, by the way. They didn't show it in the trailer, but there's a scene where they have Shokasuki's son in a sauna, so I guess they're going to, like, heat him to death. And then, you know, the girl, Kathy, is in the hot tub, and they're just spraying her with water until she drowns. (laughs) And the the evil ninja dude is like, ha-ha, you will not stop me. He's giving a lecture, and I'm like, my God, this is so 80s. It's... It's a coping good time. That scene is just. I'm like, who came up with this? Let's see if they face me. The Ninja, a Golan Globus production from the Canon Group. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. I mean, again, this the sequel looks at the first movie and says, "I got you." 
the third entry. Real quick, I just okay. Yes, the second movie in this trilogy, it's like the first movie, except they said, "Let's turn it up to 11 as they would say. That's basically (laughs) this one goes to (laughs) eleven. Oh, they really do. We we do have to talk about the third movie though because it's interesting. This movie for years, Ninja Three: The Domination, was not available on anything other than I think VHS. And I remember in my days of like bootleg tape trading, because I came at the tail end of that, so I would like get tapes from people uh, or DVDs at that point for movies that hadn't been released officially on any other you know medium other than VHS. So Ninja Three was one of the first movies I got in the tape trading scene. And it blew my mind at a very young age because I'm like, whoa, this isn't just a ninja movie. This is The Exorcist meets Dude. a ninja movie. And there's a haunted arcade machine in it. <laughs> there's Lucinda Dickies in it? <laughs> right. I've, so it, No, it's I, I take that back. It's The Exorcist meets a ninja movie meets Flashdance with Lucinda Dickie in it. Meets Poltergeist because there's like there's the Exorcist scene. But it's also right. kind of poltergeisty because there's some ghosts in it that isn't real exorcisty. It's everything you want and more. I, I, no, it's everything you want and a bunch of shit you didn't ask for. Like, I don't know anyone in the 80s that said, can we get some more jazzercise movies? <laughs> like, I just, I, we, I, we need to see more jazzercise. I just imagine Menachem Golan as he's blowing a line up his nose saying, mm-hmm. you know what we need for the next Ninja movie? is uh, uh not just ninjas i just saw that freddy krueger movie nightmare on elm street 2 we need possession <laughs> that's hot with the kids today <laughs> possession and we're gonna blow turmeric out of the, the possessed guys lots of turmeric <laughs> um lucinda dickey i do have a bit of a crush on lucinda dickey i'm not gonna lie there's something about lucinda dickey and the, I don't know what it is about her, but maybe it was because I saw her in this movie first and I, and I thought she was a ninja. And then I saw her in break in and my mind was just blown. Like I didn't understand how she could do both things. How do you break dance? And you're a ninja. What kind of superwoman is this? My expectations could be too high. Because there's not too many women you're going to meet that can break dance teach aerobics and be a ninja at the same time right but here do you guys see this do you guys see this jason these movies should be called movies for latchkey kids that ain't a bad description <laughs> dc joe back loose that is her real name her name is lucinda dickey um break dancer by day ninja by night She's she works hard for the money. She works for PG&E during the day. And then in the midday, she teaches aerobics. And then at night, she kills police officers. <laughs> so and they're not even like bad. She's, cops. she's a girl boss before girl. boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All your girl boss shit you guys are talking about. It pales in comparison to anything Lucinda Dickey did in the 80s. She was a woman of privilege that loved to hang out in the hood and raise money for community centers. 
you know, she meshed the worlds of traditional classical dance and inner city strutting. Lucinda Dickey did it all. Oh. Oh, I'm in a winner. Buckle up. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. Don't know why. Don't know why. The movie starts off. He's in a regular ass suit. I think it's white. And as people do, apparently, he's got a cave layer. Right? I'm sure, JG, there's a cave layer that you have <laughs> in the caves of It's never explained. And that character I don't I'm I, the character is not supposed to be Shokasuki's character. It's a separate character, right? Yeah. 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 She, this is yeah. this is the this is the evil guy that uh I, I don't under don't understand. He's Don't just understand. assassinating someone at the golf course, and then the police get him. And what, it's never explained why he's doing the assassination. He assassinates the shit out of. I assume they're mobsters because they seem like kind of Italian, right? And uh, you know that the racism in these movies is over the top. Any someone made a post a few years ago. I'll never forget this. This person was pretty big on Twitter at the time. I don't know where they are. I can't remember their name. And they said, The Breakfast Club is the best 80s movie ever because it doesn't have all the isms. And she started naming all the isms. And I said, I think in a private message, I said, I, have you seen The Breakfast Club? <laughs> Have you seen any John Hughes movie? If there's anyone that isn't white in a John Hughes movie, they're pretty much a caricature. Yeah, what? Uh, Sixteen Candles with Long Dong. Oh, yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. The swarthy, Turkishy fellow and the black guy stealing the car. If you are a person of color in a John Hughes movie. You're not one of the best. You're straight out of the imagination of a Donald Trump character. I get what the person was trying to say. I think they just really liked The Breakfast Club. I think it spoke to them at some level. It spoke to their kind of you know bourgeois middle class sensibilities. Maybe not being heard as a young person. I get it. But <laughs> that's the that's the thing I, I've never understood is uh. You know, people ask me, like, how could you like these canon movies? Because they're, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not nice in how they portray a lot of different, you mm -hmm. know, marginalized groups. And I, you know, to me, it's like, well, I can enjoy aspects of these movies while also, you know, being able to criticize them. I, I think you can walk and chew bubblegum, but the same with something like The Breakfast Club, you know. Were there any non-white characters in The Breakfast Club? No! That's, yeah. No! John Hughes has movies where white people are from like the wrong side of the tracks and it's only white people on the wrong side. Of right. The it's Judd Nelson, you know? Yeah. Smoke <laughs> up, Johnny. Wow. Your dad really bought you a pack of cigarettes? Gotcha. Interesting. 
um i'm not i'm not the i i was on a date actually and rewatched the breakfast club and i remember sitting there going this movie fucking suck like fuck these kids <laughs> i totally was like man fuck all these kids fuck their fake ass problems fuck them Jesus, fuck these kids. I, I'll go one further. I've never understood the fascination with, uh, I mean, for me personally, it's just not up my alley. I do mm. not get John Hughes and everyone saying like, oh, the greatest teen comedies of the 80s were John Hughes. No, the greatest teen comedy of the 80s was Heathers. Oof. Not John Hughes' movie. Oof. Yes. Heathers flips John Hughes on its head. And... Yes. And just to me, Heather's destroys the John Hughes movie. I have said that on multiple occasions, much to the chagrin of many, you know, friends I had in college. Like, how can you say that? <laughs> it's like sacrilege to some people. The, to, there's to a to lot like of not... people my age and older, again, that grew up with those movies. And there's all these kind of revisionist essays about that stuff. I feel the same way about the way people look at stuff like uh, hair metal and grunge, right? Like, oh, grunge killed hair metal it's like no hair metal killed hair metal it was dead before grunge got on the scene it was hanging on by a fucking thread it's done rap was killing hair metal no one ever says that that's true but you know we, we have to be honest and we don't like being honest because there's these people that get to write these revisionist histories about things they liked who is writing these homages to the 80s that are getting published. Sure as fuck ain't Jason and JG or Derek Varn. Yeah, right? you know, I'd never thought about that before, but that is really true that uh to me, I don't even think of grunge as killing hair metal. I think of like rap and maybe like industrial rock and industrial metal, which oddly enough were sort of uh you know, bands like Ministry were incorporating rap into some of their yeah. stuff. But that was before the grunge stuff in a lot of ways. Yes, 89, 88. Godflesh drops in what, like 90? Yeah, Godflesh did the rap and industrial metal stuff. Yeah, to me, that stuff was like before the grunge stuff hit. That was sort of killing the glam metal. I mean, for me, the hair metal stuff died when Celtic Frost tried to become a hair metal band. I was like, what? What is this? Hey, hey. Cold Lake. It's not a bad album. It was very weird. (laughs) It's not a bad record. It's not a bad record. And without Cold Lake, you can't get vanity which is a very good record the celtic frost episode will be next week (laughs) but when i think of 80s movies and i and again i'm born in 77 so i definitely watched all those john hughes movies ferris bueller i've watched all the ones that he wrote um um, home alone uh uncle buck curly sue all that bullshit right um but the movies that stick out to me were the darker ones that he didn't touch like you said heathers beetlejuice to me is a bit of a teen film because of winona Ryder's character in it and then that group of actors that were the anti brat pack we often forget that the brat pack was a pejorative that those guys that still have careers in Hollywood had to shake off. And it's really hard for people like Jamie Gertz 
and Judd Nelson and C. Thomas Howell, Molly Ringwald, uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall had to literally grow up to the point where you don't re- realize it's the same guy from those movies when he was a scrawny little 13-year-old. Greatest thing that happened to that guy was a growth spurt. That That's true. I don't even, you know, it's weird. I don't even think of, uh, when I think of Judd Nelson, like my favorite Judd Nelson movie is the, uh, the killer pseudo movie. slasher classic, <laughs> uh, Relentless. Relentless like movies where he's the serial I, killer. <laughs> yeah, I love the first Relentless, you know, but yeah, it is weird. A lot of those actors, Steve Thomas Howe is another one that ends up doing like, really sort of out there stuff uh to get past that like they you know, they have to play C Thomas Howell is in one of the best movies of the 80s called The Hitcher. The Hitcher is one of my favorite. I'm glad you did not say Red Dawn because it's not the biggest Red Dawn. No, no, I like Red Dawn for other reasons cuz I just grew up in that era. No, I mean movies like Red Dawn are fun. Um The Hitcher though is the, the Hitcher's really underrated. Rutger Hauer, C Thomas Howell and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh my god. One of the best suspense, horror, slasher, mystery, whatever, throw it all in a blender and you get that classic edge of your seat ass movie. And you think about that moment for those Brat Pack dudes. And I don't know why C. Thomas Howell didn't get a chance to get into the club with Johnny Depp and and uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name that everybody loves? John Wick. Keanu Reeves and um who's the dude that does the crazy dance in um Friday the 13th. Oh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Um those guys are quote unquote serious actors around the same time because they're doing those really dark teen movies that aren't comedies. There's no there's nothing funny about My Own Private Idaho and, and movies like that. Um Jason, you have to do that Rucker Hauer Blind Samurai film for movie night. I watched that the other night. Such a good movie. Also featuring uh, Shokasuki. We should do that. We, oh, we Dizzy McFizzle. That's a good point because he did Soul Man. That's a great fucking point. Shout out. I want to ask you about that movie after this show, by the way. <laughs> you know, Teray Reed goes off on a very, you know, intelligent tangent about that. And I'll, I will defer to him. I'll ask him to give really? me his synopsis because sometimes he will uh, send me these really cool text messages where they're like little mini essays of why he hates something. <laughs> See, I, I, I want to like that movie just because I love Rydon Chong. I, yeah. I adore her, but yeah. she still defends the movie too. It's really wild. Yeah, yeah. I my view has always been that. I mean, I know some of the people. I think Rick Rosenthal directed it, and I've met really? Rick before at cons. Yeah, he okay. did one of the he did two of the Halloween movies, um, Halloween Two and Halloween Resurrection. I mm. think he directed Soul Man, but um, that's such a weird movie because I think I always tell people I think they may have had. Good intentions, but that movie does not work on any level whatsoever. It's all no, it was, famous. By the way, it was Steve Miner, not Rick Rosenthal, who did uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3 and Halloween H2O. Same dude. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It's all it's all fantasy because remember, he's like from a really wealthy family. Right. And he would have been a legacy admission. I think the point at which, you know, the people making it – should have. I mean, Rydon Chong says, "Oh, well, this is what we meant with the film." 
Mm-hmm. But Ride On, come on. I mean, it's one of the favorite films of the Reagans. They used to say, like, the Reagans used to talk about that movie. The, the, the greatest scene is when he's at the dinner, the dinner table, and they're all imagining what kind of black guy he is. Mm-hmm. And the little kid sees him as Prince. And the dad sees him. Do you remember who the girl is in that movie? The girlfriend? That almost no. All she sees is shades of gray. Jan from The Office. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. And it's Jan from The Office. In that. She's also Leslie in Nelson Iron was Eagle. in that too, right? Yes, I think he plays her dad. And James Earl Jones. He, it had a good cast. <laughs> it's got a great cast. It's got a great cast. Reagan and them damn chili beans. <laughs> but let's get back to why we're here and why we're here right now is to talk about another movie from the 80s 1984's ninja through the domination and this movie opens with this guy you see right here just running through a golf course killing the shit out of white people for no good reason by the way the best part because i don't think they're going to show it in the trivia he picks up a golf ball yeah he crushes the golf ball <laughs> when he crushes the golf ball you're like why why did you do that this is unnecessary and you're like 5'4". How are you so strong, 5'4", little man? His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. There you go. Turmeric. I want to help her. Only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Her only hope is your mother, the master ninja, who has been sent to destroy. I also like the way telegrams work in these movies, right? Um, somehow he gets like the the word on the street that there's a ninja possessing a white woman. She's just <laughs> running through Bed Bath and Beyonds, causing havoc, and he's got to come in and save the day. He has to stop kicking the asses of monks. <laughs> there is so little explained in this movie. <laughs> you don't, and you know what's funny? Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, I know people say, oh, it's so bad, it's good. And I get that. But just it, as an entertaining popcorn movie, it all comes together regardless. It, you know, it all makes all sense. that it was trying to do. Yeah. Again, greatest part of the movie is when the ninja massacres not just everyone at the golf course. Fuck them caddies. <laughs> Fuck them minimum wage. <laughs> not my problem go kill the other guy caddies they gotta die apparently henchmen gotta die and all the cops die and then a- afterwards it becomes ninja 3 the acap movie <laughs> it's just killing the shit she's killing the shit out of the cops like the fact that that cop that likes lucinda dickey sees all of his homies massacred by a five foot four dude in PJs doing cartwheels and throwing smoke bombs. That, right? 
I'd have been fucked up. And all these new cop procedurals, what happens when the cop pulls out his weapon? You got to go talk to the counselor. Internal affairs has to get in here and talk to you. Right? He's That's just what they like, do. to hell with that. I'm chasing this girl. Yeah, I, I don't even go that. to her yoga class. Fuck that. He doesn't even look sad as he's walking through the police station, strutting around with a tuft of hair hanging out of his fucking cop shirt and just walks up to Lucinda Dickey like, hey, want to fuck? Also, he may be the dumbest cop I could ever imagine because, like, <laughs> I think it's in the first act. She has the, the, the ninja sword. And he's like, where did you get that? And she's like, Japan. <laughs> does, does it not, like, so you didn't see, you don't think to yourself, hey, that ninja had a sword or maybe... What's going on here? Like, he doesn't think that at all. It takes him another, like, 20 minutes to figure out what's going on. Like, oh, no. Were you possibly... No, he just says to her, ninja? well, you have good taste. Like... You, you couldn't have been the murderous ninja. <laughs> There's no way in the world you could be the murderous ninja that literally killed all of my friends. <laughs> that wasn't you, right? No, not you? Of course. Of course. So I found the scene. Wait, the scene with the V8 juice? No. I did not find the V8 juice scene. <laughs> Watch the no. movie, folks. You'll know what we're referring to. Trust John says we used to kick the shit out of each other with candy cigarettes in our mouths. I think I finally threw. I bought. Again, I was on a date. And there's a There's a candy store somewhere in San Diego. And they sold candy cigarettes, and I lost my shit in front of my date. That could be why there wasn't another date. But, dude, candy cigarettes. I didn't know. I, we said this in the in the David Lee Roth show uh, last month that, or a few weeks ago, the uh, the Van Halen album cover is a diver down with the baby. Is that Diver Down? Or is that 84? 1984, right? Is the one with the baby on the cover? Van Halen? J.G. Michael's like, why are you asking this? I was born in 90. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, that is photorealism. I didn't know that. That's an actual baby. She got a bunch of candy cigarettes with her three-year-old friend. And she got angel wings. And she posed him and just took a bunch of shots. And that's the shot that Van Halen wanted. Um, so here is maybe one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. <laughs> um, this is a ninja. You know where this is? I know this because I pl did, did Coachella so much. This looks like Palm Springs. Oh, really? It, it looks just like Palm Springs. Because uh, when you work, when we worked Coachella for the job I had, we got to stay at the golf course. Um, there's, you know, really fancy houses on the golf course. Jason John Hughes promoted that nerds will save us mentality that ended up being just as sociopathic as the Wall Street robber barons. People like Judd Nelson's character, Bender, are the winners. E. Dermot, I agree with you 100%. That's the only thing I, I know how to do because I agree with you. I, I think you're 100% right. Um... That being said, you're going to fucking enjoy this ninja killing. 
dude yeah, look exactly hand, like Kevin Nealon from all the Adam Sandler movies? <laughs> yeah, like why? For okay, first of all, the last thing I would be thinking. Oh, I forgot he's looking for the golf ball. Okay, I forgot he's looking for the. Because I'm like, wait a minute, why is he so scared to get out of the fucking golf cart? It's just golf in Palm Springs. It should be fun. Uh, like an henchman number nine. Oh, here it is. 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 Right. What did I say about the ninja star? <laughs> if you get hit anywhere with the ninja star, thank you for your service. <laughs> that man got hit in the hand. We've seen two people get hit in the hand with a ninja star. Out of commission. Out of commission, dude. You gotta be shitting me. The deadly ninja star. The deadliest weapon known to man, apparently, is a poker. It's a poke. I'll poke you. No gooder. Love it. Also, these motherfuckers have guns. Why are you running closer? Get behind something and shoot the shit. Out of this little fairy man who just pulled out a magical flute that he's probably going to shove in your patootie. Watch this, watch this. I love this part. Love this part. Ninja strength. Ninja strength. Oh, this is amazing. Uh, um, so when you work music festivals, you get golf carts. <laughs> right? And they put a governor on the golf cart so we can't go really fast in them. And then I got to work a golf tournament. I worked the, not the Masters, but it's the Memorial Tournament. The uh, Jack Nicholas Memorial Tournament in Columbus, Ohio. And golf carts are slightly faster there, but they're really fucking quiet, right? Because you can't drive into someone's backswing. It's a big no-no. Um, that being said, I don't think you can pull a golf cart in your, as someone said in the chat, ninja socks. We've done some dumb shit in golf carts. We worked, um, there's a big music festival in Vegas called EDC, Electric Daisy Carnival. And it was a show day? Was it a show day? It was a show day. And EDC is in the middle of a racing track in Las Vegas. And we were in a golf cart. And they took the governors off the golf cart because it's a pretty big footprint. And, um... We thought we could go on the racing track <laughs> if we floored the golf cart. Oh, my God. So, FYI, if you're ever in a golf cart on a racing track, do not, because you won't, 
you will flip over and you will hurt yourself bad. We are very lucky. Um, also, don't listen to me if I get a bright idea in those situations. Would you have kept trying to like push the gas? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, have you have you ever watched the TV show Weeds? A uh, few episodes. Okay, that the dude in the golf cart looks exactly like Doug, the accountant from Weeds, but no one's gonna get that reference. <laughs> like <laughs> seven people that loved Weeds, like oh, love Weeds. I liked it. I I grew up on it in college. Well, if you if you watched Weeds and you guys want JG to feel good about his reference, please <laughs> leave a comment about how you watched Weeds and have a comment conversation with JG about your favorite episode of Weeds. It also helps to show out in the algorithm. So please leave comments. Even if you want to tell us to go fuck ourselves, leave a comment because I might respond to your mean comment. That was a good way to plug the, uh, you know, make comments so we can get more views on this. Yeah. Ever since the algorithm. I want it, dude. I want this show to have all the fucking views. I love ninjas, and I think more people love ninjas. And I love, you know what? I actually, I really enjoy. And I don't know if you do this too, because you do the same thing. Um, I enjoy when people are like, dude, you know what? I think I'm the same age as you, and I fucking did this too, and I watched these things too. And da, 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 da. like, I've I've met so many cool people on the internet with those kinds of uh, conversations. No, totally, totally. Um, most golf carts I've driven in don't even go as fast as a sprint. <laughs> the fact that the dude is just he keeps gassing it, it's, he's still there. <laughs> then he tells the lady to run out, which you know you're gonna die. Oh, oh. Oh, let me kill him. Not done killing the shit out of you. This is the first movie for me where ninjas and Superman are the same person. Right, right. <laughs> like, dude hit him. On the wrist with the golf club, and the golf club like wrapped around his wrist. Like that's not how that's supposed to work. But when you're five foot four, a hundred and twenty pound ninja, who has apparently a seven foot vertical, I don't understand why the ninja didn't get the Teen Wolf job. I rewatched the ending of Teen Wolf because a good friend sent me someone pulls their fucking hog out at the end of Teen Wolf and a good Samaritan paused it and showed it. It's a real thing. Someone pulled their hog out at the very end of the movie. An extra pulls their hog out on the camera, full hog, and he puts his hog back in his fucking pants. I'm being totally serious. I did not see Teen Wolf too many times. Um, that I'd never saw that. And since Teen Wolf, I still haven't seen a five foot four white guy <laughs> dominate in basketball like Michael J. Fox was able to do with his wolf powers. <laughs> if I am a basketball coach 
that happens to be on the golf course this day. And I see this man in his 10 foot vertical. I'm like, hey, Ninja, (laughs) you want to make some real money? (laughs) I got this team called the Lakers. We could use you. Can you imagine the Ninja coming off the bench? (laughs) Can you imagine the Ninja posting up Shaq? He just pulled a golf cart with people in it, (laughs) crushed a golf ball with his bare hands, and jumped on top of a tree. Just give him the ball. We're doing this all wrong. (laughs) You guys missed (laughs) doing it wrong. We need a ninja basketball league. Fuck yeah, Shout Factory. Shout out to Shout Factory. Yeah, Shout Factory does great work. Can we just say Shout Factory does amazing work? When it comes to like, there's these these uh, additions they put out. Um, let's watch this. Shout Factory TV changing the channel <laughs> because this is the scene we've been talking about. The, the pool scene. This is the pool scene. Oh, this is when the guy. So this is one of the cops yeah. that shot the original ninja basketball star. This is Lucinda Dickey possessed, and she's gonna go kill this guy. While he's kind of minding his own business. Stealthiness of the khaki ninja. I think his reaction was pretty cool. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, Ninja Star. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. He survived the ninja star. Did she miss? Because the rule says if you get hit with the ninja star, you are incapacitated and you're done. Go sit down. Go to craft services. We'll call you if we need you later. Oh, maybe she missed. Oh, there it is again. Oh, crush the pool ball. Shokasugi in real life was worried that Lucinda Dickey wouldn't look believable as a female ninja. There's no difference to me between her and the five foot four inch man. <laughs> when it comes to believability. I think she's a good female ninja. 
I think she's a fucking raw female ninja. <laughs> Again, when you can ninja at night, teach fucking aerobics during the day, seduce a, a wear man cop. With V8 juice. With V8 juice. I just, I want to know where they got the idea to do that. Let's do the sex scene. We'll have her pour V8 juice on herself. I will look for the I will look for the sex scene right now. Here, I'll look for the sex scene. You be entertaining. Well, I was gonna say, you know, what I love about Ninja Three: The Domination is we went from Enter the Ninja is just like a pure action film to Revenge of the Ninja is sort of like a mix between action thriller where you know there's even like a horror element to it in a way like the the evil ninja in that is almost like a slasher villain and then this just goes into pure it's an action hybrid horror movie <laughs> you know ninja 3 the domination action hybrid horror it's the exorcist meets you know ninja and i kind of love that genre i think there's a whole sort of subgenre in the 80s of action and crime movies that kind of cross over into being slashers or thrillers. So I mentioned Relentless. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is the big one is Maniac Cop 2, which is like a straight action horror movie. Love Maniac and, Cop 2. Maniac yeah. Cop 2. You know, before we go, we should play the rap from Maniac Cop 2. Hell yeah. But, you know, I feel like it, it was these ninja movies that helped in a lot of ways popularize this kind of hybrid genre films. That's a good point. I, I do not disagree with that. I Ninjas are scary as hell. They are sort of like, I mean, they're scarier than Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know, I I get scared about shit sometimes at night because I'm also retarded, and I get scared about dumb shit, and I think like, oh, the sass is gonna come get me, and it's a ninja. Have and you ever have you ever look. seen? They're not '80s ninja movies, but have you ever seen the Tiger Claws movies? Mm-mm. Cynthia Rothrock is in them. Uh, but literally, the first Tiger Claws is literally a slasher movie with Bolo Young. You know, the guy, the. Oh, yes, I know Bolo Young. Yeah, yeah. He's going around murdering people, and only the ninjas can stop him or whatever. I would watch the shit out of that. It's Cynthia insane. Rothrock. It's literally a slasher movie with ninja martial arts stuff. When she came back from Hong Kong, she was doing some insane shit. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Rothrock is. Is this Sonya on Mortal Kombat? Is that who she is? Ooh, I, is that I her name of Mortal Kombat? I do not know. Because um, that's her uh, patented move, grabbing you by the face with your her feet. Yeah. She actually. Did. So this is the scene where this hairy-chested gentleman um, is he's like two days removed from seeing all his friends murdered, and he keeps stalking her. Like nowadays, what he's doing wouldn't be viewed as like, oh, maybe he really likes me. We would call it stalking. He shows up at her job after she told him to get fucked. And uh, he watches her. doesn't help her beat the shit out of like three dudes that are getting handsy with some women. Um, he's kind of a jerk. But all of a sudden, he jerked his way, pun intended to her really cool L.A. lofty apartment. That was quite a show you put on in your car. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so angry. 
that's okay. You're very sexy when you're angry. Look at that, look at that chest hair! Woo! Hold on. Can we take a minute to appreciate Admire the chest hair? This man right here. You know what? Shout out. You're the real MVP, sir. <laughs> Fuck this smooth chested shit. You know, fuck those guys. And there's six packs. This guy had no six-pack abs. He also was 5'4". Like a, a fucking hedgehog. <laughs> and she she's over there braiding that shit, having a fucking grand old time. <laughs> Bring this shit back. Don't shave your chest, fellas. Let that shit go. Bringing it back. You think she would have done this had he been a smooth chested man <laughs> with fucking razor bumps and ingrown hairs everywhere? No, she wouldn't have. That wouldn't have been V8. It would have been fucking like hydrogen peroxide or some shit. She'd be like, get off me. You bumpy chested motherfucker. Come back when you look like an adult. I don't know why I find this so amusing. Because, because no one likes V8. Right. Never in your life, never in the history of everdom, have you had a naughty conversation with someone. I don't give a fuck who it, I don't care what you are. Never. I, I love that one of the one of the things that happens right before this scene, by the way, is mm-hmm. he's like trying to get her to go get coffee. And she's like, well, you can take me home now and I can offer you some VH juice. <laughs> <laughs> and then this. Like, which right? is, coffee is bad for you, but VH juice. But VH juice. And he goes, OK, because in all honesty, me, a hairy chested man. Would have done the same thing. I would have said, let's get some coffee. And if Lucinda Dickey said, no, we'll have V8 juice in my place, I would have been like, I love V8 juice. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, I I feel like I could use some v- liquid vegetables yeah, in my life. For some reason, I have a hankering for V8 juice now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's so funny to me is I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> But never in my life, never in the history of Everdom, has have you been or anyone? And again, I don't give a fuck what you are. I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care about your fucking gender. I don't care about your fucking age. I don't care what generation you're in. No one has ever hit you up. Hey, hey, report V8 juice all over my neck. And not the one with fruit in it where it actually tastes like something. The vegetable one that maybe your grandmammy uses in some sort of flavorless tomato sauce. Yeah. You know, the one that gives you heartburn because of all the fucking acidity in it. I'm going to pour this heartburn inducing beverage all over me. And then you can lick it off. I 
figure this was better than the one with fruit in it because you're so hairy, it would be sticky, and that would be a mess. That that never has happened. Except when <laughs> this except, except when Menachem Golan said we should use some vehicles You know what really gets my goat? You know what really gets me going? It puts some oomph in the schnitz. It's when the, the lady pours the V8. I love it. Never. <laughs> never. And if that's what that guy uses to get erect, <laughs> part of me kind of wants to watch the weird fuck shit that he does. <laughs> <laughs> or did. Because this is on a whole nother level of what? Right. Like unless if craft services fucked up and it was really supposed to be like red wine or something like oh we got bosses these V8s and nobody drank. Well hurry up and use them. That's how Furstenberg sounds when he's directing. Um, I was actually thirsty for something else, but now that you mention it, I could really go for a juice made from eight different vegetables right now. No one. That's like Look at the expression on his face too. He's like, "Oh, I like VH." Yeah, he's like, "Oh shit." That's but that you again, back to me, you know, being the too much of a realist. I also would be like Billy and be like, "Lucinda Dickey is pouring anything over herself. I'm all about it." Yeah, who amongst us? Right? Know? She could have been like, "Come back to my place. We're going to have soup." I made soup. Not even anything cool like hot and sour wonton or even chicken noodle. It's just a real fucking flavorless <laughs> pea soup. <laughs> Braille and blood says better be some vodka in that shit. <laughs> if anyone is seducing anyone with soup or v8 just know you are the goat you are that fucking awesome okay just know that if you've told someone hey no we're gonna skip coffee we're going straight for the v8 you're fucking awesome hippies don't even say that shit when they're doing their weird hippie shit that hippie rap chick that we watch all the time make fun of, even she doesn't do that shit. <laughs> Warner Herzog probably likes it. But we gotta finish this scene. We gotta finish this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Go for the eight's gone. Pasta sauce. Tastes like I'm looking Olive Garden off you. <laughs> like, with hold on, sorry, this pasta. I gotta stop this freaking drill. JG, where'd you go? I'm here. Okay, sorry. Not that. Okay. But yeah, dude, that's that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> also, and, but, yes. like Revenge of the Ninja, this one also has a hot tub death scene. 
I was about to pull that up because I'm a good person. Um, I'm not a bad person. I was gonna. I, I just saw it. I just saw the hot tub death scene, and now I don't see it anymore. It disappeared on me. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, what's in the box? Here we go. Found it. For some reason, my internet's moving really slow, so I apologize, JG. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. There it is. I was mesmerized by Lucinda Dickey for a second. Sorry. (laughs) Who's she? I don't know, but it's all right. You better watch yourself, big man. That cop is just like, forget about these other chicks. Also, props to Lucinda Dickey for um seducing with a one piece <laughs> oh no they said youtube banned the stream you guys could you guys see the stream are we knocked out? i see there's people watching are is the image gone ah uh, you know it sucks i don't know how that came up that is my band and i wrote that music and that is a problem with copyright strikes. That music oh, you write will give you a, a copyright strike. Can you believe that? That's insane. I wrote. Was there words in that song? I didn't write the words. And oh, it says the stream got yanked by YouTube. Fuck. Are you kidding me? Fuck. Okay. I will I will fix it. Well, you know what? Let's just call it. <laughs> I guess we got to call it. Um, the audio only will play it. I, I, because my computer was moving so slow, I couldn't stop it. So I apologize. I wasn't trying. So to it's definitely it. because of that one, the, the music that played after. Yeah. yeah I, I, I have no, I think that could be what it is. But if that's what it is, that is a, really fucking annoying because that is music I literally wrote. Yeah, that's I, holy I shit. I own yeah. So I maybe I can tell YouTube I've I've done that before, but they've also told me before like go fuck yourself. Right. Um it's really frustrating. Um damn. Sorry JG. Sorry everybody that was watching the show live because we're going to show the fucking hot tub murder scene. That just means we have to do a part two in the champagne room where we don't have these problems. <laughs> um, I will try to fix this so the stream comes back because it says there's people watching, apparently. Um, I would say go watch it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, but YouTube heard the moaning and shut her down. <laughs> That's frustrating. That's definitely frustrating. We didn't even get to talk about Ninja 3's uh, guest star, James Hong, from Big Trouble in Little China. Someone said the ninjas ninjas got revenge. Someone said Oh, they said we're back. We're back? Are we back? Are we back? Can you see JG and I? Someone say something. 
Please. <laughs> Let us know we're okay. We just got to the good part. Right? <laughs> you know what would really suck if Shout Factory to, was taking this? So for, first of all, these companies aren't sitting around waiting for you to use this and take it down. As you, if, if it was that song that took it down, as you, as you would know, I'm not trying to take my own music, you know, try to take my own show down. It's just how their system works for right. shutting shit down. I mean, if, if anything, I think Shout Factory is like, give us more free publicity. Yeah, Shout, yeah, I'm sure you can because send them a message. Because they're a boutique label. They're usually good about that stuff, but... I have sent messages to people, especially for video essays, where I was like, hey, I just use this for a video essay, and they've actually, we've had a correspondence with a few places, like um, one of the archive sites. Excuse me. Um, sorry. Okay, we're back. You guys can see Listen to Dickie's Perm again. <laughs> if the stream was, I apologize for that. Like I said, I my computer froze on me and that music played, that little bit of music played. And I hope that's not what shut it down because that's literally my own music. Um, that's kind of dystopian my, if that's what took it down. Dude, it's that's the world we live in where you can't put your own stuff up. They changed the way distributors work now before um, if you wanted to get any of your um, money from uh, YouTube and, and Facebook and, and Instagram for like playing your stuff for shorts or, you know, using the background, um, you would automatically sign up for them to just anytime someone played anything that sounded like your music, it would, they would take it down automatically. So I used to go, no, I don't want it. And now you can say, well, do you want it on Facebook and Instagram and not YouTube? So YouTube, I have no new music goes on YouTube because because of shit like this. So she's got the Linda Hamilton T1 hairdo. Okay, they can see us now. We are back. So let's enjoy this death scene. Beat it, bitch. What's going on? Jeez. Oh, Go ahead. She's got a one piece. She's not even showing her tits. He's just like, to hell with those other two girls. This guy's a real jerk. Before you said it. Weren't both of you guys going to fuck him? What? <laughs> all of a sudden now, he's a piece of shit? I don't know. There's so many movies that I've seen in my 46 years on this planet that when the third walks in, it really becomes a party. Why does the third, the conservatively dressed third, might I add, why is she now the party pooper? <laughs> DC Joe Blacks, is he a ninja with that mustache? You would think, dude. Let's get out of here. Oh, that's all it's all it's What is she doing to him? I don't know, but the bastard sure seems to be enjoying it, doesn't he? Sure is. Hey, what's the matter with him? <laughs> no! What are you doing? Oh! No! Oh, I'm gonna strangle the shit out of you. My buff ass arms.
There you go. Is it even a ninja movie without a murderous hot tub scene? <laughs> oh, they said we went down again. Oh, no. Oh, they're going after us now. Someone said Cannon getting in that ass, shutting it down. Oh, fuck. Maybe MGM. MGM owns, I think, most they of the own us now? catalog. Oh, dude. Dude, really? You're killing me. Is that what it was? I mean, we're doing transformative art here. You know, we're adding our commentary onto the video. So I we're literally pausing it every five minutes to talk about it. <laughs> Where are people watching? Are they watching on Twitter and stuff then? or? Uh, it says YouTube, and there's one person watching on um, Twitch that is enjoying the shit out of it. <laughs> Let me see if they can see, if I can write a comment and they can see it. Can you guys see this? Can you guys? see this comment we're still on air <laughs> how, how are they just <sighs> no fair look at this one guy now it says stream unavailable stream suspended for policy violations <sighs> the only policy we're violating is fucking violating their whack shit policy and actually doing something dope. We're literally talking over it the whole time. Okay, e, someone says they see it. Okay, we're back. Oh, you can see my comment, but there's no audio or visual. What? I'm looking right now. We are back. We are back? You can see us? It's yes. like a picture in a picture. Is it frightening? A little bit. <laughs> I'm. I apologize, guys. So now I don't feel as bad that it was my music. It was not. It was Lucinda Dickey. We we have to, you know, yell at Shout Factory. I feel like we can send Shout Factory a message, and it'll be like cool. What do you? Well, think? I mean, to be fair, I don't. I don't know that. Sh- Shout doesn't necessarily own these movies. They're licensed out to Shout. But it's their YouTube channel that struck it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, not their YouTube. You know what I mean? The, the violation yeah, yeah. came up on their YouTube. I see, I see. This is clearly the work of the Ninja Lobby. <laughs> the, yeah, the Ninja Lobby. Power Don't people. piss off Big Ninja. You can't fucking piss off Big Ninja. This is. So now that we can't, I, I told you guys. The super chats are very important because I was going to go full stupid and play clips because you can't appreciate this genre of cinema unless you see Frank Nero, unless you see a five foot four inch stuntman crush a golf ball with bare hands. Like, you have to see these things. You have to see the ninja we're talking about that is always going to be the evil ninja with more magical, mystical powers because there's some sort of, uh, you know, bedazzled ninja mask he has. 
If you bedazzled your ninja costume, you're officially next fucking level. Ah! <sighs> this isn't fair, dude. No, man. You know why? Because I want to add one more ninja movie. So Shokasugi left canon after Ninja 3 mm-hmm. and went on to do like three more ninja E films where he was a star pray for death which i was watching before we went on uh, also starring his children and uh there's a scene in did you you've never seen pray for death right i've not seen pray for death no there's a scene in pray for death where he's like <clears throat> he's like a ninja actor or whatever and his kids love watching this ninja program with the black ninja who is him and his kids are taking martial arts lessons, not from him, from like some other teacher. And his kids in this movie are probably like, what, six and nine? They're very small children. And, and they're in their martial arts lesson, and he's kind of like watching them at their lesson. And the teacher is in Japan. And at the lesson, everyone's speaking Japanese because it's supposed to be in Japan. But in the house, everyone's just speaking English. No accent. <laughs> I want Jason and JG to recreate these forbidden ninja clips with sock puppets. Um, I'm like a so Punch down. and Judy show. <laughs> you, you have no idea how down I am for that. But anyway, his kid. So the teacher calls the student that's got to be like 20. And then he calls the nine-year-old up. And he goes, okay, you two fight. And I was like, what karate academy is this that makes... A young adult fight a small child. And the young adult is like Johnny from Karate Kid. He's beating the shit out of this kid. I'm like, fuck, what is, why are you so angry? He growled at him when he got called to fight him. I was like, why did you growl? This is just this karate class school. And it's a little kid. He probably doesn't even wipe his butt without supervision. And you're beating the shit out of him. Like he's stealing pocketbooks from old ladies. And after he beats the shit out of the kid, the teacher goes, okay, that's enough. Let's get someone even smaller to fight you. That kid's little brother. I, I want to say something here. I, I do. I need to watch Pray for Death because I love when uh, Shokasugi's kids are in the movie. Like Dang. Revenge of the Ninja where little Kane Kasuki just starts out with like some kids bully him and he just beats the living shit out of that beats. playground. Oh my god. First of all, first of all, what did he do wrong? Right. He's dressed like a feudal warlord, a scene before. And in the next scene, he's got a whole polo outfit on. I would assume the kids would be like, damn, some nice polo drip you got there. <laughs> right? <laughs> no? They go, ha ha, Asian kid, ha ha. Is that ri-? Look, I have some Asian friends. I know an Asian. <laughs> I have some Asian children. And their grandmother has taken them to school. And I don't think ever 
has anyone laughed at them because one of their grandparents has taken them to school. My son, who is five, gets dropped off by his Asian grandmother. And uh, he goes to school in Oakland. And I don't think he gets teased. She tells me quite the opposite. She goes, he's a very popular fellow. Young Phoenix. I don't know what universe the Shokasugi's kids go to school in. Where fucking just being an Asian kid in a nice outfit gets you. They try to fuck that kid up. They try to fuck that kid up. And it was weird, too, because, like, it was weird to me in that scene because I think all the kids that were bullying him were also Asian. <laughs> none of them were white. Like, there was, like, a black kid. And yeah, like, like a black Asian kid. Like, like, hey, let's fuck that guy up. Why? He's walking with his fucking grandma, and he's holding the Spider-Man lunch pail. <laughs> fucking leave him alone. There's nothing he has that you want. You can't fit that little kid polo shirt. That's a 5T. You are wearing a legitimate men's medium. There's nothing that kid has that you want. And they try to fuck that kid up. You know what? <laughs> fuck you, YouTube. Let's find that scene. <laughs> we have to watch this scene. We got to watch this. We gotta so be. while you're looking for that, should I watch Pray for Death and Rage of Honor? I, I'm familiar with the... Uh, They're on YouTube for free, brother. Okay. I'm familiar with the director that made them, uh, Gordon Hessler, because he came out of the Roger Corman school. He worked um, on a bunch of American International Pictures movies with... Uh, Vincent Price, including the Oblong Box, which uh, mm. one of the lesser Edgar Allan Poe, Vincent Price movies. But, you know, he was like a workhorse in Hollywood. He did uh, all kinds of just weird movies, including most notably the legendary Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he did the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And then, you know, I think he mainly worked in TV after that, but he came back to making movies with uh, Pray for Death and Rage of Honor. He mainly did TV stuff like Kung Fu and Cool Chat, The Night Stalker, Hawaii Five-0. But all, all that was stuff's on, on YouTube, by the way. You can find all that stuff. Cool Chat is on, is on YouTube as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I love Cool Chat. But yeah, Gordon Hessler is a good filmmaker, so I need to check out... Well, he was a good like B-movie filmmaker. So Pray for Death and uh, Rage of Honor, I definitely need to give a watch. So, okay, guys. We gotta watch this quick. This, let's pray that YouTube keeps this up. So these are the kids, these junior high kids that want to bully a toddler. Hold on. I gotta show you if if a kid goes double bandana, the motherfucker's trouble. <laughs> can you hear me, JG? I can hear you. Okay. None of them if, are white. Uh. I think this kid's Italian. Okay, okay. Look at that fucking natural. <laughs> this kid looks like he could be some sort of uh, uh, Hispanic. This gentleman definitely is uh, Filipino. I I know him. <laughs> also could be uh, Hispanic or Italian. We don't know these two. These two are the wild cards right here. <laughs> Does his last name end in a vowel? <laughs> 
Did you hear little punk? Why is he a little punk? Because he's got that fucked up Bruce Jenner haircut. Like, he's look at his outfit. Wrong. Look at his outfit. This is the, he. He looks like a, a nice little guy. He's got a fucking Dodger hat on. What a is it pink... because he's wearing pink, or is that why they're picking on? Is that I have pink... no idea. It's the '80s. Everybody was wearing pink. Their dad That's left the house true. in a in pink ass short shorts with his <laughs> ball bag hanging out. <laughs> fucking. Are they laughing about his mima with their kimono? Everybody else assimilated, but Grandma. She was like, "Fuck that shit." I know, I know, we're in L.A. now, but fuck it. I have all these outfits. I'm not getting rid of them for anybody. But look at this guy. I would want to be his friend. They really said he thinks he's tough. He's walking with his grandma. The best part is she doesn't even do anything to protect him, even though she's a ninja. Yeah, (laughs) she's like, oh, well, you know, sometimes the ass whooping calls for you. Right? (laughs) She's just... (laughs) She's like, you know, sometimes you cannot, you cannot, you know, save everyone. But again, double bandana, it's fucking trouble right there. Bag bag full of nothing, also trouble. Tucking your shirt in at 12 years old. Oh, yeah. This is a troublesome posse right here. A number on your bike like you actually race professionally. Oh yeah. This this whole crew. This whole crew is trouble. Let's go beat them up. How are they even in the same school? Look at his fucking lunch pail. He's got a fucking lunch pail. Look at this kid. He's three apples high. His Meemaw's got those wooden slides. He's got some Velcro numbers on. He's got some Velcro kangaroos. This kid has got the Velcro kangaroos to go with the Dodger hat right there. If they're mad, they're jealous because they were like, he got the Velcro kangaroos and the Dodger mesh cap. When I was a young person, I always wanted what we called a pro hat. You people now call it a fitted hat. When I was a kid, we said a pro hat because the pros had the fitted hats. We couldn't afford fitted hats. You had to go to like a proper hat place for that in the mall. But we could afford the mesh hat. And you could buy the mesh hat at the grocery store. (laughs) And they sold it above the beer. You know the beer part of the refrigerator part of the store? Above that was mesh hats. (laughs) There was a Bud Light hat, a Giants hat, and an A's hat. And I begged my grandma for the Giants hat. And when you have a mesh hat, you know how when you have a a fitted hat, you can bend the bill and like round it like your favorite baseball player? (laughs) No, JG. Not with the mesh trucker hat. You know what would make this scene even more awesome? I wish someone would make a remix of this, 
with like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme, <laughs> and they started making trouble in my neighborhood. <laughs> All about how. <laughs> like, this, if you're jealous at the kangaroo mesh hat eyesod combo, just walk by. Hey, nice outfit. Maybe you can be part of our gang, and you can double bandana it. Like fucking Guillermo over here. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you calling the kid names? Fuck him and his grandma. Wow. That's <laughs> like what did she do? Hey, it's fun. Hey man, what's your trick? Kick his ass, yeah. Could you move please? <laughs> and he's so polite. He's so nice. He's... Oh my <laughs> god! Do you see how polite this kid? Can you move, please? <laughs> if you don't want to hug this little face, right? There's a hole in your soul. <laughs> like he's so adorable, and he, like me, is equally shocked at the aggression. Yeah, he, look at his face. He's just like, what? What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? I I did the things that you do in America. I got a Dodger hat. And a pink Izod sweater. I got a button up underneath said sweater. I got the kangaroos with the zipper on the side. See, JG is too young to know about the kangaroos with the zipper on the side. <laughs> if you had the kangaroos with the zipper on the side, it's another level. You can put all kinds of, you can put change in there, put arcade. You can put rocks in it <laughs> that are smooth because <laughs> you're a child. Those are cool and could be currency. Really? Though, what what are these kids? Are they like are they like the child's gang that came over from Brooklyn to L.A. and they don't like the L.A. hat? <laughs> the transplants. We're right. gentrifiers. <laughs> We're gentrifiers. We don't like you L.A. types. We don't like you Asians. Yeah. In all fairness, there is an Asian in their crew, so it's they're not racist. They're just right. assholes. <laughs> and they have a black kid in the crew. They have a diversity hire. I believe this kid's Italian. Hmm. I'm I'm a firm believer. Look, he's got the Italian natural. He he does. He's grabbing his dick. He's this kid's Italian. Now this kid could be from the Bronx. (laughs) JG, you might be right. (laughs) I think this kid is from fucking Queens. You were going to hit him with a bag full of stuff? Yeah, and then he just gets kicked in the nuts. And he gets wet. Why? <laughs> Go get him! Come on! Go get him! Get him! Come on! Get him! Get him! Come on! Go! It does yeah. feel good seeing Kane beat the shit out of the It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. feels so good. You're just like, yeah, get him! Get him! Get him! Get him! Get him! It's ridiculous. Damn. There you go. Vinny. He just suplexed his ass. Vinny. Uh-oh. Monkey toss. Oh! Oh! He's kicking the shit out of everybody, and you slapped him. <laughs> He's about to knock your natural right the fuck off. Ooh, nuts. Nuts. 
Oh, pocket sand. <laughs> See, that's like this is like little ninjas here. This is like, so awesome. Like he did the yeah, he did the Mr. Fuji from WWE. <laughs> he did also, dirt in one's eye has the same effect as a ninja star. <laughs> oh, double dirt. Done. That's amazing. Oh. Oh. Three stooges. <laughs> I told you not to fight. Wow, Dad. Don't be a dick. You know, Watch you mentioned the three. Yell at, go yell at Grandma, who let all this shit happen. <laughs> Good point. You Grandma could have said, right? She could have said, hey, stop. No. Grandma just sat there and fucking let me kick all this ass. And why are you mad at me? <laughs> you look like I was over here instigating shit. Where's my hat, daddy? Huh? <laughs> fucking, I got a handprint because fucking Vinnie Boom Bot slapped the shit out of me, dad. So I relocated their testicles just like you taught me. Everybody got kicked in the nuts, daddy. <laughs> That's what's happening. Everybody's getting it. You can catch these hands, too, if you stop me from defending myself against a team full of multiracial dickheads. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining when this movie was shown to Menachem Golan for the first time, and he's just watching this scene. He's like, yeah, it is like the Free Stooges. I remember watching them in Tel Aviv. This was great. He was loving every minute of this ass whooping. Yeah, he's like, yeah. And then fucking shit. There, look, we have to watch this. Sorry, <laughs> we have to do another. We have to do another scene. That's them. Oh shit! Oh, the playground. The the grown version of the asshole kids. <laughs> That's <right>? their fathers. <laughs> the nature over nurture debate was solved. In this movie. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. It said that my device stopped, but I guess not. Okay. Here we go. Wow. They wow. are like the adult versions of the previous scene. <laughs> um, I want to talk to the black guy and say, what? Uh... what's going on there what's what do you why why are you hanging out with this guy with these roller skates (laughs) are you gonna break dance later and those aren't shorts that's underwear sir (laughs) as someone that wears very short shorts even even i know what underwear is I'm not hearing the audio for this. Oh, it's really low for some reason. I don't know why. You can't hear the audio at all? Mm-mm. No. Oh, give me one second. You're being entertaining. Ah, that's putting a lot of pressure on me. Uh, look at the face on Shokasugi there. He's just like, ah. Oh. I have to beat these guys up now. 
Really though, he is like I don't I don't know if we would have had the ninja craze if it wasn't for Shokasugi. He really does not get enough credit. And I hate how he, he made a return to film and acting in um two thousand nine with Ninja Assassin, and yet he doesn't get to be in the expendables. What? No. Shokasugi is like the forgotten Aiden eighties action star that we all need. You know? I guess there's always expendable six or whatever, but He really is uh, one of the more underrated 80s action stars. And Blind Fury is incredible, even though he's sort of only a guest starring role in it. But this is sort of the, the main one in the Ninja Trilogy where he's, you know, more or less the main character. The other one's it's almost like a guest starring role. Hear me? Can you yep. hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. Um... There's a weird delay, and I don't know if it's because YouTube is pulling everything down. Can you hear it? Mm-mm. Not at all? No. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, oh, that sucks. I don't know no, why. No, no, no. At least let me see him kick the guy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to turn it off without even seeing him destroy the dude it, it did it by its by itself yeah. didn't do that i'm trying to turn this off right now and it won't let me huh. oh my god so what do you think about what i was saying before we i feel like shokasugi is the uh sort of forgotten 80s action star like yeah. All these Expendables movies, I think we're on the fifth one now, and we haven't had one with Shokasugi. No, I, I was saying this. I thought I was on the screen. I didn't realize I was off. Uh, I, I call it Japanese erasure. Yeah. Because yeah. we totally forget about this era. I think this era, kind of like hair metal, is looked at as something that was like hokey for a time. And there's a nostalgia market for it. But I don't think people appreciate the artistry that was in a lot of these movies because the ones they remember are like kind of the wackiness of Ninja 3, The Domination, and all those Rodney Ho movies. Oh, but movie? come on. I mean, if they're going to make an Expendables movie with, like, they literally Only did the job. second one had Chuck Norris coming in, like, in cameo roles, like, three yeah. times throughout the movie, and he just destroys everyone. And I'm like, Chuck Norris movies were cheesier, even, to me, than these ones. And but. Chuck Norris, it's say what you will about Chuck Norris movies, most of those movies are canon movies. Yeah. By the time he does Walker, Texas Ranger, he's already got an arsenal of canon films. And people don't know Chuck Norris as being a badass because he was in Enter the Dragon. They know he's a badass because he was in all those movies where he was a he was a cop that had to use karate and guns to kill other people. Like I watched a Chuck Norris movie the other day where he was killing everybody in Chicago for no good reason. Um That's a good point. You know we the just we don't look at we don't look at the Japanese guys like Shokasugi right. the same way that we appreciated Hong Kong cinema for what they That's were true. doing with stunt work. And I really feel like that's a disservice to martial arts stunt choreography mm -hmm. because these movies 
are ingrained in our brains. We can appreciate Jackie Chan and and uh, Jet Li and Tony Ja because of these movies, because of right. people like Shokasugi that didn't just do the martial arts and the flips and the stunts, but he also used weapons. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the ones that always get overlooked are Kasugi, and then, although I think it's to a much lesser extent because he was in one of the Kill Bill movies, was uh, Sonny Chiba. Mm-hmm. You know, the Street mm-hmm. Fighter movies are amazing, where you like punch you in the chest and rip your heart out, like holy crap. And and you know, Quentin Tarantino gives some of these guys a second life. Yeah. And I really don't want to have to rely on a guy like Tarantino to give Sho Kasugi a second life at seventy-five. Right. Um, I get it. His sons are stunt choreographers, and I, I guess they have a successful career. I don't know. You know, if anyone knows them, send them this this video and tell them that we'd love to talk to him. I'd love to hear his story, and I'd love to hear his relationship with Hollywood. Did he feel kicked out because he wasn't one of the Hong Kong guys? Like they're getting Americans from Hong Kong in the '90s. Cynthia Rothrock, right? Remember, she couldn't make it in the states. She went to Hong Kong, did some yeah. movies. And then came back, and she's still in movies. To 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 his credit, though, like I think actors like Kasugi or with like Ninja Three: The Domination, James Hong had a small role in it. Mm-hmm. And I do think, I mean, they're playing caricatures, mm-hmm. but I think they did open doors in weird ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people always want to go back to Bruce Lee and go, "Well, Bruce Lee really opened that door." And da 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 da. Bruce Lee was done. Right. There were so many Bruce Lee ripoff movies after he died that we were tired of watching. That shit was done. There's a reason why ninja shit was everywhere. We're kind of showing you guys some movies that maybe you guys didn't see. But everybody knows what the fucking Ninja Turtle is. Everyone knows what Surf Ninjas are. Three Ninjas. Beverly Hills Ninja. This was the stuff that started that. This started all that stuff. Keep even keep this in mind and I'll find this and we'll play it because, again, thank you guys for the super chats, keeping this thing on. We've been going for three hours. Thank you, JG, for chain smoking and hanging out with me. Thank you, everybody that's watching through the takedowns. You guys are the real MVPs. But but in all seriousness, um, think about all these these uh, here. Let's let's pull this up. You you don't even know about this, JG. There was a show. Back in my day, called Chips. Eric Estrada. Okay, you do know. Again, (laughs) I believe you have a time machine. (laughs) I was a weird kid growing up. I don't give a shit. JG, I was a weird kid growing up. (laughs) You outweird me. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I feel seen. I grew up with my grandmother and I watched a lot of old black and white stuff, but I don't, maybe your dad, I feel like your parents were chain smoking people that uh, at your birthday party, you had one of those birthday parties where your uh, grandma or aunt was singing happy birthday with a cigarette in the corner of her mouth, (laughs) just ash falling in your cake. (laughs) Just dust it off, kid. You're fine. I hope that's the family that you grew up with. I probably wouldn't have smoked cigarettes if my parents smoked. <laughs> oh, they, they were good people? I mean, they worked at, like, a hospital and stuff. I had, you know, a charmed upbringing, but, you know, I, I think I think I watched these movies just because uh, 
there was a video store called Incredibly Strange Video. And after my mom and dad got divorced, the way me and my dad bonded was just going to that video store and renting crazy movies. You know, that's kind of how I bonded with my father as well. And I don't know. I'm looking up Ninja Chips and all I'm getting is air fryer French fries. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Ninja Chips spinoff. There's a Chips episode called Four Seven. I just looked it up that has ninjas in it. <sighs> there's a, there's but there a was a spinoff too, wasn't there? Yeah. Okay, so it's called Four Seven. That was the episode of Chips with like martial arts, but I think there was a, a spinoff of Chips with like ninja cops. There was that was the spinoff. It was called Four yeah. Seven. I can't find it. Fucking Punky Brewster's showing up. I don't know why I can't find it. I'm sure if Chips I Chips was a weird show just to just to like side note Chips was weird you know like they used to have like weird guest stars I think like Elvira would show up on episodes Here, well look this is this is someone talking about it this is the best we can do it's called spailed fa- spailed failed spinoffs this was the ninja chips this was the ninja chips Japanese Well, this isn't Revenge of the Ninja. In the early 80s, the American film industry discovered the Ninja. Enter the Ninja. Revenge of the Ninja. Look, guys, okay, we already went over this. Show us chips. Some fun has lots to do with chips. But after four seasons of chasing bad guys down the traffic-free roads of Los Angeles, was running out of gas. Eric Estrada left the show for several episodes during season five while his contract was being negotiated. When Ponch turned, the producers were ready to set up their own exit strategy with two pilots. End of 81, viewers were introduced to Ocean City Motorcycle Officers Melanie Mitchell and Paula Woods. For- Do you remember her? No. Jane Kennedy. Okay, Oof. yeah, yeah. Oof. She's gorgeous. An episode called Mitchell and Woods. But Mitchell and Woods were no Cagney and Lacey, and the backdoor pilot failed to go to series. Are you all right? I've had better days. With one episode left in season five, the producers tried another backdoor pilot, titled Force 7. The episode begins with Ponch and John pulling over a drunk scientist who conveniently drops his confidential document. Cops. (laughs) I don't need cops. The episode doesn't need Ponch and John either. Ponch takes one look at the document and says, someone else can handle this. We ought to put him in the chain and let somebody who knows the case decide if this guy is righteous. Why do highway patrol officers also do so much drug bus and chips? (laughs) Do you know what the highway patrol responds to in California? What's that? Public transportation problems. <laughs> it's not as exciting. If you're fighting on the bus, the uh, highway patrol comes out. And car accident. Typical backdoor pilot fashion, the lead characters step aside for a group of brand new characters. In total, Ponch and John appear in three of the episode's 49 minutes. 
Yes, it's an episode of chips with only 6% chips. That's less than how much cranberry is in a cranberry juice cocktail. The bulk of the episode revolves around Force 7, a secret team of police officers who adopt non-traditional methods. That's right. Force 7 is about ninja cops. Also, you need a one-eyed ninja. Only in the 80s. You need a one-eyed ninja. If you don't have um, a one-eyed ninja, then what the fuck are you doing? Right? So 4-7 is what it's called. And honestly, why didn't they just call it Ninja Cops? Force 4-7. There's Lieutenant John. Why are they also dressed like V? <laughs> like a mix between V and like Star Wars, Battlestar right. Galactica. Right. It's like they were just going through the wardrobe, just grabbing anything. Laguerre. Supposed to see Lieutenant Laguerre? You found him. Laguerre's a leader whose vibe could best be described as judo instructor who's also a pirate. Rick Nichols, the new guy with a big future and an even bigger ego. Wanna try? Cindy, whose husband was killed. She plays Shokasugi's wife in Play, Pray for Death. Oh, really? The line okay, I'm watching it now. Seven just happens <laughs> to be the one way I can feel good about staying on the job. She totally looks like my ex, by the way. What's that? She totally looks like my ex, by the way. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so I'm just watching this being really angry. <laughs> Sly Angoletti, a poor man Stallone Travolta lunkhead. And me and my friend here can get more done in an hour than you can all day long. And finally, no team of ninja cops would be complete without a racist puppet. I am known as Ying of Yang. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <sighs> cocaine really was a hell of a thing in the 80s what's really offensive about this stuff if you think about it is there's no fear of offending asian people right no one talks about asian racism no one talks about the chinese exclusion act no one likes to talk about any sort of racist actions towards Asian people. And we should. Because it fucking happens. And it's not okay. We watched a movie called Rollerball on movie night. And Rollerball takes place, you know Rollerball, right? It takes place in this future where corporations have solved all the world's problems. Except racism. When they go play the team in Japan, in Tokyo, that movie just turns into a, a Trump rally. Mm-hmm. We're going to knock those little Japs all over the place. Like, man, wh- you haven't said one thing about ethnicity in this movie until we bring up Asian people. Right. And then you're like, fuck those guys. Fascinating to me that no one ever wants to... Co- Again, back to the, the the John Hughes thing. Every time an 80s thing comes up, 16 Candles. I never hear people talk about the problematic nature you know, of that character. The one that I always hear mentioned with Asian racism, and I think it's, I won't say it's unfair, but it confuses me, 
mm-hmm. is Big Trouble in Little China. And before you jump on me for that, okay. the reason I say that mm-hmm. is because that movie has the stereotypical tropes, mm-hmm. but it inverts the whole narrative. Yes. Because in that movie, it's it's Kurt Russell is the dumb white guy. Yep. And it's actually the Asian characters that are smart. And if it's mm-hmm. not for those Asian characters, he doesn't get out of the jams. Nope. So it, it's a reversal of the white savior narrative. Uh, but that's the one I always hear when people say, oh, um, racist tropes in, in movies. But I, I, in some ways, I think that movie is more subversive, whereas this is just It's just offensive. Yeah. They're a team of ninjas and only an Asian woman that's here for the, right. the Asian womanness of it all. No Asian thinks Big Trouble in Little China is racist. I, I'm not going to say that, but I don't know any that do. I know nine that I know are fine with it. Um, <laughs> someone says no depth perception, throwing stars to every damn where. The one-eyed cop has no depth perception. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the these things, the amount of racism that got thrown on Asian people in the 80s, especially Japanese people, back to the Long Duck Dong character, the actual actor that played that role didn't like it. But getting a job in Hollywood, it ain't easy. What's the rule he does after that that he loved? Vamp. Right. And you know why he says he loved that role? Because he could just be a regular guy. It's it's something that I think um, – I mean I've always brought this up with you know, black actors in Hollywood – Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, someone like Mantan Moreland didn't really have a choice in the roles he got, which is sad because I, I think he was a good comic actor. If you watch some of his like um, morning review stuff, and he, he did like uh, comedy skits that you can find online. He was really talented. But, you know, Hollywood expected him to play these horrible racist caricatures, you know, and I think the same thing happened with a lot of Asian actors, even, even into the 21st century. You, know, you watch like some of those shows that I grew up on on like Nickelodeon TV. I mean, they always would have like the goofy Asian character in the high school. And it's like, you know, it, the Asian it American really, Princess. You know. Yeah, the Asian American Princess with no personality. Right. She rep look, we have Asian people looking, they have main characters. Brenda Song on the Disney stuff. Right? Like it's if you think if someone says Big Trouble in Little China is filled with tropes, I would respond. Right. Eh, what about Indiana Jones? Right. What about Goonies? That shit doesn't offend you? None of that offended you? Or do you just assume that's how everybody talks that looks like that? No one wants to say that shit out loud. Because they think they're not racist. Because they don't say the N-word. Okay. But you have no problem having this fucking puppet or having a, a nine-year-old boy Dr. Jones, your shit! Right. No problem doing that. I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Spielberg or Harrison Ford. Never. I'm sure someone has somewhere. But if, you, if Big Trouble in Little China is a movie you're mad at and you're not mad at those movies... And you fucking love Goonies, and you're gonna come all over yourself whenever someone talks about Sixteen Candles. You can go fuck yourself. You're not a serious person. 
deal with your own shit before you start telling me that Big Trouble in Little China is problematic. You know the fucking movies I watch? (laughs) (laughs) My life is problematic. Go fuck yourself. There's another movie. So 4-7 didn't work, but they tried something else called The Master. And it came out in 1984, starring Lee Van Cleef. And I love it because Lee Van Cleef was like this old ninja, Mm -hmm. and he wore a turtleneck. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I don't know why I find that so amusing. He had a turtleneck with a chain. Like a gold chain. And it's like when the turtleneck came on, it was like, oh shit, he's got the turtleneck on. Mm-hmm. I, you look like my daddy. Leave and Cleef out of here looking like every cool black man <laughs> between 1975 to 1982. Beating the shit out of Shokasugi, who's got all the ninja stuff on got the chains look here it is here's the master apparently they have all the episodes of the master on youtube you're welcome amazing how do i get myself into these things you may not touch that just keeps getting better don't it you ever swing at a man Is that a young Demi Moore? <laughs> what? Like it. Is that a young Demi Moore? Is that that's Dick Van Patten's? Wait, wait, is that his name? The actor's son? Yeah, Dick Van Patten. Yeah. That's his son. Look at this. Look at this. JG, JG. I was seven years old when this came out. Okay. Wow. I was seven fucking years old when this came out. I think my parents might have still been married for a hot minute. Hmm. And you talked about bonding with your father. Right. Um, my father, who I just found out, I got some really bad news about my dad um, and his and his health. Not good. I'm sorry but to hear that. Thank you. Um, I do will always love the fact, it's still to this day, when I go see him, I love kind of sitting down with him as he uh, rests his eyes. He always falls asleep on the couch um, and watch ridiculous movies. I think my dad got me into ridiculous movies. Like for him, if it was on television, it had to be good. Right. Why why wouldn't it be on television? (laughs) So he would just watch shit on TV, right? When this show came out, I think he saw my eyes get as big as Oreo cookies (laughs) and he was like, I'm going to watch this with my son. And he would give me like play by play. Like he knew what the fuck was going on. My dad does not know martial arts, (laughs) but I do. I loved this show. Look at this intro. 
amazing. Yeah, Timothy. Yeah. So he's learning how to be a ninja from Lee Van Cleef. As one does, right? You're supposed to pass this this knowledge along, apparently. Aha! This is the longest intro in television history. <laughs> My God. Every wow. episode is on YouTube. By the way, you were right. That mm. was Demi Moore. Mm. I did not realize she was in there. There's a mm. lot of like notables in this. Clue Gulliger from uh, Return of the Living Dead was also in this. Dude, these sh- th- this show for me, and there's another show with Ernie Reyes, who's also from the Bay Area, called Sidekicks. That mm. came out a little later in the 80s. And I was like, dude, I could be a kid and kick people's ass. But it was it. So the sh- the show is called Sidekick. You're not talking about the there's Chuck a Norris movie. Show there's a movie and a show. Yeah, there's a movie okay. and a show. Yeah. Um, I forget which one came first. I don't. I, I don't see. Know. I like the movie, but not because of Chuck Norris. I just think Joe Piscopo is funny. Which I may You're be the, the only, only person one. that thinks that. Yeah, you are. <laughs> We had the guy that wrote that David Lee Roth book and Joe Piscopo's mentioned in it. And uh, he had said something really funny about Joe Piscopo. He's like, he's the kind of guy that just did a lot of things, but none of them really good. See, the reason I like Piscopo is because have you ever seen the movie Dead Heat, the buddy yep. cop zombie? Yep. That's I brought that up I on the show. To know Joe Piscopo. And I'm like, oh, I like that movie. <laughs> That's, I literally brought that up on the show. That's when he got all buff. Right. But, you know, back again, we talked about all these ninja stuff in the 90s. I would even say stuff like Power Rangers is is ninja adjacent. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, you can't have any of that without all of this really bad ninjaing, right? You know, these old white guys that they're. You know. <laughs> hey, I'm okay with the master. Just, like Lee Van Cleef gets a pass. He's freaking Lee Van Cleef. But... Lee Van Cleef. I want to see a scene where Lee Van Cleef is fighting in a turtleneck. Right. Because you got to see it. It looks like he's one of the dudes in the Mac or some shit. <laughs> I mean, this was definitely past the prime of his, like, oh, you know, yeah. career renaissance when he was doing, oh. you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But. Oh, definitely, dude. I will but watch anything with Lee Van Cleef. I don't care. All of this is on YouTube. I hope everyone watches the master tonight and uh, leave some comments on how much you enjoyed or not enjoyed the show. But Shokasugi is the, is the main bad guy in this show mm-hmm. and him and Lee Van Cleef fight all the time. And Shokasugi is the bad ninja with the, you know, bedazzled ninja mask. If your ninja mask is bedazzled, you got some next level shit, man. Mercutio says the third episode of The Master was pro-worker. McAllister and Keller find themselves caught up in business politics when a union organizer's light, I'm sorry, life is threatened by her sadistic boss. Wow. Wow. 
See? Ninjas. Pro worker. Ninja Ninjas. union. Ninjas. Assassins for the people. <laughs> it's called State of the Union, he says. We got we maybe we should watch it for movie night or something. Maybe we should have a TV yeah. night, TV show night for movie night, and we should watch it. Because, you know, this this era of cinema, I think, is highly problematic, highly entertaining, and it should start a good conversation. Things that are problematic shouldn't always be shelved. Right? Sometimes they do bring about conversations that can help us grow. Opposed to acting like none of this stuff ever happened. <laughs> Nothing to see here. There was no racism against Asians. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Go watch Crazy Rich Asians. That's not offensive at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like, um, yeah, I was just reading an article in The Guardian about, you know, they're doing uh, showings of uh, the James Bond movies for a retrospective for the composer of the older Roger Moore, James Bond movies. And someone in the guardian said, you know, we have trigger warnings on these movies, but not trigger warnings for like newer corporate things that may offend people like, you know, the latest Chappelle special. <laughs> you know? I mean, it is weird. Like corporations want to set themselves up as look how, mm-hmm. uh, how much we care about these issues. But then with anything that's newer, that may be offensive, they're not going to do that. So, I, I don't know. I think corporations do a lot of butt covering with this stuff. Trying to appear woke when they aren't, but no, they really don't care. Right. I think we're going to get a look. I, I think as the election looms closer and it looks like you're either going to get nice MAGA with Nikki Haley or good old fashioned MAGA with, with Donald Trump, you're going to see another love affair with DEI. Mm-hmm. To you know, set yourself apart. I'm a good person. Look at me. We'll see how that works out. I mean, for for me with these movies that we've been talking about, I always tell people I I enjoy these movies, but I also don't know if I'd want them to be. I mean, first off, they wouldn't work in today's environment. Mm-mm. No, I just don't think they need to be made today. We're a different culture now. So. Yeah. That's that's what always gets me are the people that are like, I wish they would make a Friday the 13th movie like it was in the 80s. And I'm like, well, why it doesn't necessarily fit the culture. And you know what? You have the one from the 80s. Watch it. Enjoy it. Right. Share it with someone that's never seen it. See how they take it. So I got to ask you before mm-hmm. we close out, are you familiar Vinegar Syndrome who shout out to them for just doing some really great restorations of forgotten movies about I think two, three years ago, they released a lost ninja movie called New York Ninja. Yes. And there was no, they didn't have the audio for it. No. They just had the footage. Don the Dragon Wilson did the voice of the guy. Yeah. Don the Dragon Wilson, Michael Berryman, Linnea Quigley, Ginger Lynn Allen. They got all these people involved and I guess they just redubbed the whole thing. They redubbed the whole thing. That was awesome. Some dude that wanted to make a ninja movie. Couple, couple, cobbled some money together in New York and made a movie in 89 that was forgotten. I forgot how they found it. It was shot in 84. Was it shot in 84? Even older, yeah. Holy crap. Oh my god, Mercutio, thank you so much, brother. Or sister. Honestly, I don't know what you are. 
whoever you are, whatever you are, however you are, thank you so much. This to be able to can can I say, and I know JG probably feels the same way because he does something also extremely similar, to be able to do stuff like this and to have, you know, we're not we're never just gonna talk about ninja stuff and give you trivia about ninjas. We're also gonna have kind of deep, more philosophical, probably political you know dovetails into these conversations thank you guys so much for hanging out with us for so long thank you guys for listening on the audio end as well because these shows actually do so much better as as audio podcasts for so maybe it's the length um and also jg thank you for spending this time it's not like i'm paying you for this you are here out of the kindness of your own heart so uh don't ever think that i take that lightly i appreciate the hell out of you I appreciate you inviting me on. It gives me, you know, some uh, publicity for my show, Parallax Views. So, helps out. Like you need it. <laughs> you have much bigger guests than myself. But... Well, I appreciate that. I also appreciate that I, I now have the seal of approval. I've been wondering if I should watch New York Ninja, but you said watch it, so. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude. It, like, I... The whole the vinegar syndrome people for putting that out, you're, there's a special place in my heart for you. And it goes back again to that thing you said about people always wanting to remake. You know who needs a remake? I don't nothing. Just leave alone. Fuck it. Karate Kid is fine. It's a great father son coming of age story. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. You don't need to remake it with you know Jackie Chan. I get it. He's way better at karate than the comedian Pat Morita. But don't we all love that coming-of-age story that is the Karate Kid? Daniel doesn't have his dad. And Pat Morita steps in in that role. You know, there's there's a lot of people watching that at Pat Morita in their life. Maybe didn't teach him karate, but taught him something. Maybe had a tie, fucking tie. Appreciate that person. Go fucking hug them. They're not going to be here forever. <laughs> um, you don't need to remake that. That's okay. What else is a remake that we're fucking tired of? Oh. <laughs> like you know they're remaking. You know what's coming out this year, by the way. I know you love eighties horror movies as much I as do. I do. They're remaking Witchboard. Why? I saw the trailer for it. I don't know. I guess they were just like, what's the cheapest thing we can pick up and make a remake of? Okay. Before we go, as we're going on three and a half hours, and shout out Bayplan. I said, y'all did three hours of ninjas. I love TIR. Thank you. Witchboard, which I've watched six times in the last two months for no reason. For no reason other than there is a drain when you do stuff like this, and I want to watch something that doesn't take any brain power whatsoever. Witchboard is kind of a brutal movie. And let's be honest, I grew up in the 80s. I saw Tiny Katane do cartwheels off of Rolls Royces. I enjoy White Snake. Doug Aldrich is a hell of a fucking guitar player. Go back and listen to those White Snake albums. Tasteful. Solos, amazing riffs. Oh, anyway, anyway, which board? <laughs> I'll tell you this. I 
I saw the trailer for the new Witchboard, oh, and I was like, oh, Chuck Russell's directing it. And Chuck Russell did Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and the 1988 remake of The Blob. He did The Mask with Jim Carrey. I'm like, oh, maybe it'll be good. I watched, and I was like, what is this garbage? Oh, it's out? No, the trailer's out. Oh, the trailer? It's just, why? And it will, it's going to be a theater, really. I know There's it's going to be a theatrical. Mil- like, what? That movie came out, and they couldn't say Ouija. They couldn't call it Ouija board, right? So the main actor, who's he's actually the two main people in that movie are no longer with us. The main actor, the man, I can't think of his name, who's a soap opera guy, and Tawny Katane uh, died a few years ago. Excuse me. Um, watch that movie. Just watch the original Witch Board. I found out they remade uh, Toxic Avenger, and people are like, oh, you should watch it. It might be pretty good, but I was like, why? That is the most insane film I've ever seen in my life. I watched Toxic Avenger when I was 12 years old, GG. I rented it from a blockbuster video in oh, really? San Pablo, California. Damn. I walked from Richmond, California to San Pablo, California to rent that film. I don't want to know how many miles that was. But I was watched that movie. I was like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen because people <laughs> like this exist. I'm afraid to live. Right. Remember they're killing people for the points? You, well, you know what's funny? If you ask Lloyd about it, I mean, he took that stuff from headlines at the time. <laughs> well, do you, oh, maybe you don't remember. People used to joke about it. I mean, my mom used to joke like that. Like, oh, if I would have hit that lady, it would have been 10 points. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's comedy. Yeah, yeah. But she was like joking, and she had never seen Toxic Avenger. It was just a thing people right. said. If that really happened, holy shit! Like that movie was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, why do you read? You don't need to remake it. It was it's slapstick and ridiculous. You don't need to remake Ninja Three because you're going to try to make it too coherent. But by the way, they're not calling it a Ouija board in the Witchboard remake. It's an ancient pendulum board. I don't know what that means. What fuck are you remaking the movie for? <laughs> That's a good point. If you don't have Tawny Katane, I don't give a fuck about a goddamn Ouija board. There was something about that woman and all of her Aquanetti hair and how excited she got about that goddamn Ouija board. Have you ever seen it? You've seen the original, right? Yeah. The Ouija board was doing all kind of shit. It was helping her find her engagement ring. <laughs> it was solving all of life's mysteries for her. <laughs> you know, don't mind all of her boyfriend's friends were dying left and right. <laughs> That's just some other side shit. But it was really helpful. Leave it alone. Don't remake Nightmare on Elm Street. Don't remake Friday the 13th. Please stop remaking Halloween. Well, that's um, not going to happen. <laughs> please, please don't remake Night of the Comet. I agree. Like, see, mine is if they ever remake Chopping Mall. You ever, you ever seen Chopping? I Mall? watched Chopping Mall the other day. There was talk of remaking that. Why? Why? <laughs> what purpose? Does it, it wasn't that great. Some of these movies aren't that great. Chopping Mall is one of those movies that the name sounded cool and the box art was cool. When you watch the movie, you're like, what the fuck is R2-D2 shooting all these people for? <laughs> I mean, I, I love Chopping Mall, but 
also, I usually watch that when I'm drunk, so. <laughs> They're going to remake Goonies. Watch. Gonna, we need to remake Goonies. Right, right. We need to remake The Lost Boys. No, you don't. Just watch The Lost Boys. Don't remake The Shining. It's a good movie. Just leave it alone. We can leave good movies alone. I'm okay with that. Ninjas. Just leave ninjas alone. But bring Shokashugi back. JG is right. <laughs> JG is right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Bring show back. Maybe show is like in a bad way. I don't know. But bring him back. We, well, we they need, could have we... done it when they made the first or second Expendables. What the hell? You know. I'm also shocked they made so many fucking Expendables movies. Like they're on like what five of them now? There's <laughs> too many. I heard the last one was not very good. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, they talk about popcorn movies, but we don't need to have a, the. We'll redo the master. And... Right. No, no. We'll get Ron Howard's daughter to direct it. No. What scares me is they're going to start remaking movies from the 90s. Didn't they already do that? I I mean, I'm not getting any off the top of my head, but now with all this stuff with Scream 7 being, you know, essentially dead in the water, I'm like, oh, God, if they remake Scream, like, do we really need a remake of Scream? You don't need a remake of any of this stuff. Right. Like, you know what? Don't remake the house movies. Right. Yeah. Don't remake. Uh, uh, what's the one good Stephen King '90s movie that he did before Pet Cemetery? People on the stairs. That was Wes Craven. This is Stephen King's story, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's all Wes Craven. Yeah, it was. All, that was all Wes. Yeah. Then I stand corrected, JG. So, I'm sorry for being the nerd. No. Again, you have DeLorean parked out. <laughs> JD's like, oh, I left a pack of smokes in 1975. I'll be right back. The next, the next big remake I think is Silum's Lot. Which, why? This is like the second time we're doing it. it didn't work the first time. Is it, leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. You, there's some movies that need to stay where they are because we can appreciate the good badness of it. When I went with my kids to see Tron Legacy, when it came out, we went to the theater with my kids and my nephew. My kids were small because it was, what, 2010 when that came out? 2011? And I was all excited, and my kids were all excited, and then the movie came on, and I was asleep halfway through it. And I think a couple of them were, too. It just wasn't really that good. Tron worked really well, pretty state of the art for the time Mm -hmm. in 1982. The soundtrack is the bomb. You know, Daft Punk just put their foot in that fucking soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. But um, didn't need to get remade. The the storyline was weird. Some Jesus shit. It was not. Did you like Tron Legacy? I didn't see Tron Legacy because oh. I was just like, nope, not doing it. Oh, didn't need to. There's another. What's another remake that came out? We're just like, oh. I, re- I really, I, I think I'm one of the few people. I always have this argument with horror movie fans. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, I hate remakes. I hate remakes. And I'm like, you could just not watch them. I still haven't seen the Platinum Dooms Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I probably won't anytime soon. Oh, me and Ben watched that shit. 
<laughs> really. But you know what is a great remake, and I will, you know, now I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, and I'm okay with that. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. I actually just rewatched it, and I do not like it at all. Really? I, I just, I didn't like the big monologue by the mutants at the end. I thought it was like beating me over the head with its point. I love the original so much, though, that that's probably, I'm biased. I really because do you, like I'm the original sure. movie. I don't know anyone that likes the original. Really? I'm 46. If anyone comes up to me and goes, I love the original more, I'm like, ah, you're full of shit. I'll let, I'll let you have that pass because you're an odd bird. And you mean that shit. And you're not trying to be a contrarian when you say that. Right. Um, I, did I not mean, the think... director of Alexandra Asha is a, a really talented oh. It's not. It's it's a very well-made movie, Oh. The, the remake. Yeah. High Tension? Oh. I love High Tension. It's I always see people shit the last on 20 it. years. I, I remember my, I, I watched that with my brother, and he said, I don't get the ending. Like, what do you mean? Get in the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> you get in the time machine. You go watch Psycho 2 in the theater. They're they're doing a Tron remake with Jared Leto's weird ass. Why? Well, I don't I don't get it. If you are watching the show and you have someone you give a damn about in your life and you like these movies that we're talking about and you like these ninja movies and they've never seen them, go sit down and watch one of these films with that person and enjoy it. Watch their eyes get big. I found a video um, of me and my son when he was about two, two and some change. He was old enough to kind of understand what was going on. And his, his, you know, I was, I was doing the show at the time and I said, I'm going to watch all the star Wars movies with you from the first one to the latest one. Nine hadn't come out yet. And we're going to watch them in order. And he sat there and watched them with me. And then I have a video of him being in awe of his first time seeing lightsabers when the when Obi Wan and Qui Gon, you know, go to the trade people, trade federation, yeah. or whatever, and they get set up, and he's just he's just watching it with his eyes, are, you know, this big. That's fun to me. The first time I watched uh, Jawbreaker with my twenty-some-year-old daughter, I think she was maybe a teen at the time, because she loves '90s movies. And watching her get all excited for certain scenes. Like, I love doing that with people. That's way cooler than bitching about remakes and non-remakes. Just watch the original with someone that's never seen it. Have some fun. Hug the people that are around you that you give a damn about. This time is limited that we have. Enjoy it, everyone. That being said, my time with JG is limited, and we've spent almost four hours together. <laughs> and there is people that love him in his life that are like, if you don't get off that goddamn computer. <laughs> JG, thank you again for hanging out with me. Thank you guys for watching. I will be back tomorrow with Madame Toussaint. We'll be in the champagne room tomorrow. It's full. It's full. Full on show. Excited for it. JG, you're the fucking man. 
I love you like a play cousin. And we are out. Thank you.